How's it going? Hey! Beautiful babes. Am I on? Yeah. Oh, I can hear myself. Wow. Nice. Wow. Manchester, you really did something. I doubted you. I doubted you. But I'm, I'm glad we're here. But we'll have the, the theme tune anyway, just to get us all in the spirits. My latecomers, welcome. Welcome. Are there, um, I wasn't expecting so many people. You might want to squeeze up, get all bunchy. Are we good? Oh, you do that. Don't worry. There's, there's mercury aspects, so don't worry about that. But um, you can sing it for me. Ready? Those of you who want to join me. And this is what I'll know, the true listeners. All right. Oh, jo- uh, where, where, where's Lewis? Yeah, up there. Do you want to lead the choir? Jonathan, in fact, because Jonathan's got the harmonies as well. They really traveled over from London. So what's the first, what's the first sentence? See, even there, you couldn't find harmony. You couldn't find tone. Some people just came in from anywhere. You just, you didn't even pick a note. You just, you just flung your throat into the thing. And whatever happens, happens. Let's try again. What is it? I said the first line. Uh-uh. I can now see the people that were doing extra in school. We're like, so if you could just do exercise 12B. No, miss, I did exercise 12B and C and just D just in case you needed it. Calm down. Stop doing too much. All right. Yeah. All right. Before, before you, let's see how well you do. All right. So one, the whole thing now. Jonathan, Lewis, you're not helping me. That's fine. You do that. Do what you're doing. Huh? Come on. Let's go. Yeah. No, you're not doing it. Sing it from there. Go on. Give it to me. Ready. Lead them. Ready. All right. Sorry. One, two, three. Where's my beat? No, you're singing it like some Anglican choir. Stop that. Stop that. What was that? Make sure your cup's ready for the tea. I got to be, uh, uh. You didn't even do that. You just make sure the cup's ready for the tea. No. No. We'll go again with a beat. There must be one kind of drama here. I know that. Boom, 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 boom. Ready? We go again. My people, then. Let's go. Manchester. 
It is me, Kalechi, in the Mancunian place to be. And you are, well, here at SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind. Unofficially known as what, what? Beautiful. I like how you were. Thank you, Annie. You were very, very loud on that one. You knew that one well. You were waiting. So, like I said, this isn't like the average sort of like live show situation. This is a symposium. So you're going to come up. The thingy magic is through there. Come on stage. And we're going to talk about some things. So I hope that I've got some real talkers here. Um, yes, exactly. Like a flight attendant. I find flight attendants so funny because I was like, babes, you could do all the directions that you want. If we're going to die, we're going to die. So, but um, yeah, so I'll be having some people come up. Um, I guess there are things to debate because I... I won't get ahead of myself. I won't get ahead of myself. Um, well, yeah, so that's the, that's the setup for today. Quite a lot of conversation. We'll have an intermission after Share Your Magnificence. Um, and then we'll come back and we'll get into the nitty gritty with So You Mad and then Straw of the Week slash Year. If something's really, really burning in, in your heart that you need to tell me about, we'll be doing all of that. Yeah? Uh, wow, they two at the back were really nodding. You were, I saw that. My, I wasn't even looking at you and I, it was a vigorous nod. I was like, what's going on over there? So clearly somebody needs to get cussed out. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, so um, why don't we get started with the tarot as we usually do? Yeah? Um, so who would like to help me with the tarot? I saw your hand first. Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up you come. Thank you. So, this will be really, really helpful. Join me. There's your mic. Welcome. Turn it off. There you go. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hello, Queen. You okay? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm here with Mike, my husband. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what are we looking at in terms of tarot? I think I'd just like something general for all of us, like you did in your London show. That'd be great. Okay. Does anyone want to help with that? Offer a question? You'll do the shuffling. Um, so, we'll be using your yeah. energy. So, Maybe. if it comes out waywardly for them, it was... <laughs> Maybe something to do with hope. You know, we've had such a rubbish few years. Something to do with carrying some hope through to 2023. Yeah? yeah. Someone else said? Rage. Oh. oh. Rage. Okay, oh, that's a good I love one. that. I love that. Oh, I love a bit of rage, yeah. me. <laughs> Honestly. Um, yeah, all right. So let's look at rage because I think that that helps us when we're looking at hope. So, if you'd like to shuffle this deck yeah. for me, please. This is a nice gold table. Well, oh, you're a real tarot shuffler, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've, I've started reading pro, but I'm not as good as you yet. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, we're all here. We're all, it's all relative. But I love that. The tap, tap. So, you know, they're serious about the team. We're like, we're waking the, the spirits up in the deck. So, that's beautiful. 
All right, so we're looking at rage. Rage, how do we channel rage in 2023? Let's have three cards, please. Okay. Thank you. And one. Thank you. And last but not least. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Ooh, All right. Wow. Nice. All right. So you've been reading tarot. You said you've gone pro now. Yes. All right. Tell me what it says. Okay. So we've got the way you see them. We've got the nine of pentacles in reverse. We've got the ace of pentacles upright and the king of pentacles. So Pentacles are a suite, um, a suit of the, what we call the minor arcana of the tarot, which deals with very practical, everyday concerns, finances. There's the sort of nitty gritty of life, really. It's like taps into earth sign energy as well. I don't actually read reversals, um, but what I'm drawn to immediately in the middle of that, the Ace of Pentacles, it's a sign of new beginnings. Uh, it's going to be too far away for you to see it, but it's a big disc there with a hand, you know, as if it's offering something out to you, which I tap into immediately as being a sign of hope, a sign of new beginnings. Um, I'm actually flanked by the Nine of Pentacles and the King of Pentacles. They're some of the most positive pentacle cards in the deck. Um, the Nine of Pentacles, for example, is the, it's the completion of a cycle. So it's like coming to the end of, of an achievement, something coming to fruition, but I, I personally don't read reversals myself, so I'll be interested to see what Kalechi thinks about it. But the fact that it's reversed, there's something kind of that we need to handle or process before we can get to that point. And the same with the King of Pentacles. Um, it's that kind of masculine leader energy. Um, again, the very, very head of the suit of Pentacles, but in reverse saying, again, what's kind of blocking us from expressing that masculine energy in a, in a healthy way, you know? Beautiful. Applause. Thank you. Absolutely gorgeous. I didn't get your name. I'm Charmely. 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 Thank you, Charmely. That was beautiful. That was beautifully read. Thank you so, so much. Um, yeah, as you know, on the podcast, I read uh, reversals and I agree with um, us coming to the end of a cycle and the opportunities that come, you know, the new beginnings, as well as like, what are we doing with our energy in terms of going forward? I feel like what I see from this, especially when you asked about rage, is the idea that we're not being, um, we're not being angry enough about what's being done with our resources, right? We have so much to offer as a community, as a global community, as whatever. We have so much to offer and like, the government continues to play in our face and we're just like, oh, well, that's the way it is. You know, like, oh, cost of living crisis. Oh, that's just the way it is. Just turn your heating down or just, you know, buy extra blankets or, you know, get an electric. What the fuck? So every time you're coming up with reasons to, to, to help them with the fucking slap them. But, you know, like, seriously, like, we're not angry enough because we keep being deterred from that anger. We keep being deterred from that rage. We keep um, thinking about, oh, well, you know, I don't want to be the one to rock the boat. And, I mean, we're going to talk about what happens, you know, when you do speak up about when people are taking the piss out of you and how the system doubles down on you, like we saw with Ungozi. But, obviously, as you know, that would be straw of the, the decades. You know, we're going to get to that. But what we are looking at here is that idea that how much more can you afford for this system to take from you before you actually go, you know what, that's enough. Because otherwise, it's just going to continue. You know, you give them an inch, 
They take PPE contracts. Um, <laughs> and then they go on, I'm a celebrity. But that's also, <laughs> that's also in straw of the week. Um, but that is the idea that the nine of pentacles, we see this old lady um, or older lady and she's got, she's in her um, garden or her allotment and she's um, working with tomatoes and she's growing things. She's growing things as well as she's growing um, all of these pentacles. And it's funny that the all, all three cards that came out are pentacles. So that's an earth sign energy. And we're currently, we've got the North Node in Taurus. And we knew that when the North Node... Um, got to, um, or when Taurus, when the North Node got to Taurus, that we would have to have very serious conversations about what we are doing with our resources. What are we doing to the earth? So we're now seeing even more um, demonstrations, uh, climate change, all of these things. And funny, look at how we've changed as people. Because initially, when them um, exterminate, what's their, what's their name? Extinction Rebellion. And then who are the other one? Insulate. You, man, were dragging them off the roads. Some of you were even cheering when people were trying to run them over with Range Rovers. Just get out of the way because I need to get to work. What, your zero-hour contract? Because that's not even shade on you for having a zero-hour contract. It's shade on the people that they're forcing you to rush to work in a situation where the dynamic is so off, like it's so unfair, but you're the one like... <sighs> And then this person's on the road. And you're like, oh, you need to move because I need to get to... I need to move because I need them to oppress me. What are you doing? <laughs> and so... <laughs> and so that's... Now we're at a point where people are actually divided and they're like, big man thing. I see where they're coming from. I can't come and lie down on the road with them because <laughs> not every day pay for expression because the price of expression is going up. So, you know, so... I have to think carefully, but you lie down, you do that. Strike action is happening now. More people are like, I support the, I support the strikes, you know? And so that's another reason I want to big you lot up because I know that there were disruptions. I know that there were all of this to get here today, but you lot were like, nah, I'm going to be there. I've got straws to fling. I'm going to be there. And that speaks to what, that speaks to the exact thing about rage and then hope. And the fact that if we support other people in showing their rage and being like, this is absolutely bullshit. You know what? You're right. Do what you're doing, right? That means that we're that much closer to the life, to the reality that we all collectively want to live in. Because if we were like, what do you mean you're going on strike? I have a teddy bear to send. Well, <laughs> those boots were made for walking. <laughs> get to it. You know, you might get there in 16 days. Get to it. Or send it after Christmas, whatever. Like, let's just, let, let people do what the people need to do, you know? Same with nurses. Let the nurses do what they need to do because, oh, well, what does it mean for ambulances this? And we didn't have hospital beds in the first place. Yeah. Like, there's so much more for you to worry about than what you think that these, these disruptions. And then that little short devil, Rishi, He's now turned around and he's talking about, oh, you know, there are ways for you to protest nicely. Yeah. The whole Just... point of civil disobedience is that it is not convenient. Yeah. Like, duh. So imagine we get to the point where it's like, oh, hi, guys. So I just wanted to check if you'd be okay. 3 p.m. on Tuesday, 26. I plan to go wild. <laughs> I'm not coming in. So annual leave. Because 
that's no longer a strike. That's your, you're just taking a holiday. Shut up. <laughs> but that's what they want you to do. They want to even regulate the way that you dissent against what's happening in the system. Yeah. And that's not the point. You know, I'm sorry. There's a reason that France won. <laughs> I know some of you are going to be upset, but there's a reason that France won because them lot, if Macron, if Macron tries a thing, they're like, <laughs> they are ready. They are ready to spin jaws. Yeah, over here, we're just looking. No, oh, well, that's a shame, in it? Let's have a cuppa. You can't even have the cuppa, mate. Can't have the cuppa because your energy bill will go up. So just have the water. Put the water in a cup. Now sit the cup or the mug between your thighs and rub. <laughs> rub for dear life because <laughs> if you press that switch, baby. <laughs> Bissy, you'll be, don't do it to yourself. Don't do it. But that's what I get from this. Like we have to, it's very, very earthy. It's very, very focused on that. The fact that like we're going to see more of it. We're going to see more of the fact that we have to stand with people, even when it is inconvenient for us. We're just going to have to grin and bear it because what they're saying is right. And if every time we turn around and go, oh, well, I couldn't make it to where I needed to go. So, you know, and there was a chance of that today, you know, with when we were traveling here, myself, big up yourself, Annie and Brent, when we were traveling here, we had so much like fuckery to contend with to even get here. But it was like, we, we do what we need to do you know, and we're going to be here regardless. And as long as we keep supporting each other in that way, I feel like that's how we have a chance. Because I think that that's what they're getting more scared about in terms of the system and governments and things like that. The fact that people are like, I think I'm, I think I'm bored of this. Like, I think I'm bored of suffering. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're getting here. And the King of Pentacles, to me, it is saying that we have to look at those leaders and see how they're not serving us. Now, it's a very awkward position to be in because I don't, I'm not feeling Keir. I'm so sorry. I kissed Omar. Yeah, same. But you're almost feeling like, oh, I've got to do something out of necessity. But I just need him to do more to make it worth our while yeah. because you're only going to win because we don't want them, man. Exactly. But yeah. that's not enough. You can't just win because we don't want them lot. Like, and people made points. Points were, in fact, made. When they said all of the three female MPs or, you know, prime ministers we've had, the, we've been, they've been inflicted on us by the conservatives. Yeah. So Labour, again, like there's so much trouble in your ranks. Like, what are you doing? Because you have to make this worth our while. And so we have to hold leaders, the kings of Pentacle, we have to hold them to task and be like, this is, this is not happening. But we have to trust each other with our rage. I think that that's the thing because we don't like to see our rage in ourselves. We are so scared when we see the rage in other people. But I know that everybody in this, ho um, in this room, you bring forward hope in the regards that you've all come here today. If you, the majority of you, you brought your booze, but you listen to the podcast. And so week in, week out, you hear me flinging a straw here, flinging a straw there. You make space for my rage, thus there is space for yours. And so that is how I think we move forward. We allow for people to feel the, the righteous and rightful rage that they should feel because the system is so fucked yeah. that, it, you know, I got you. Cuss them, I got you. Yeah. That's what you want. Not this one that you cuss them and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know her. Care, care? Kalich? No. Kilogram? I just... <laughs> never heard of it. Um, 
that's you know that's what's coming through here. Let's get um, an affirmation card. Okie dokie. Um, I bought a to. deck of this to take home, so I'm looking forward to uh, playing with these more. Yes, yes. Have you all got your affirmation cards? Yeah. I don't like the sound of them. Sort it out. <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> let's see what it says. Oh, let's see. I. Now, see, on the podcast when you don't see me shuffling the ting, I didn't touch it, right? <laughs> and the card that came out was, I release all my fucks to the universe and choose to meet life with radical surrender. Ooh. It's the word. I release all my fucks to the universe and choose to meet life with radical surrender. You have to. What, what good are your fucks doing for you right now? What, what good is giving a fuck? In the rose, in regards to the fact, like, like, obviously, give a fuck about life, give a fuck about the important things. But what good is giving a fuck about respectability politics? What's what? What good is that? How is it serving you currently? I mean, we're going to talk about Derek Jackson. If you don't know about Derek Jackson, <laughs> <Woo! laughs> don't worry if you don't know. Yeah, I don't know for the record. But, oh! so, yeah. <laughs> See, now that's, we'll get into it, but that's, you know, and that's what I'm saying. This might be a debate, but that's what happens. You, you marry a guy, he consistently embarrasses you, embarrasses you, embarrasses you. And you give a fuck so much about what the church thinks that you allow him to embarrass you on front street. You allow him to embarrass you on the internet. No. It's wild. Well, we're going to get into that. And so ultimately that is what it is. Like, what, why give a fuck? Like it's at this point, we have to be living life with radical surrender, like, you know what? This is this, I think that ultimately, we haven't yet accepted that this is the way that life is. We are so in this kind of space of like, it can't be, it can't possibly be. What do you mean? Like, so we were in lockdown and then, and then they ate, ate all our money and people were rubbing teeth and rubbing long back. <laughs> couldn't possibly be because they're smarter than I am and they went to the best school. So this couldn't possibly, it, it be. It be, it be, you know? And so I think that when we meet life in that regard and we go, this is the way that things are, what are we doing now? And then I think that that's when all the fucks dissipate. And you're like, ah. All the fucks have been um, kind of, they've evaporated from your body. And then now you're ready to get down to the real work. And I think that once all the fucks are gone, that you have no longer have to get, I have nothing. No, yeah. You have no fucks left to give. I think that that's when you're going to find the rage. That's when you're going to be like, oh, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off because we've been tolerating this for how long? And that's okay. So I think ultimately what we're getting from the cards in this regard is that come 2023, there's actually going to be way more for us to be angry about. Unfortunately, unfortunately. There's going to be way more for us to be angry about. And I think that we're going to be pushed to the point where we're going to have to be like, okay, Somebody's singlet needs to actually be torn. In this moment, somebody, some, a singlet must be torn, you know? Because how is Trump entertaining coming back? I know. Boris even had the effrontery, the audacity, yeah. the goal to show up again. Well, if the people want to, to, meet, to meet to return. Girl, what people? The unwashed? No, go away. <laughs> so that's it for me. The fact that until 
we do right by ourselves and express our rage, they're going to keep, like, the, I feel like the universe is almost going to keep giving us things to activate that rage. Like, if you don't change this, it's just going to keep happening. It's not just a woo-woo tarot terminology. It is life. If you do not change the thing, it will keep happening. And so that feels like our message. Like, don't be scared of your anger. I think that some people are even in situations, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, friendships, family, especially um, some of you white people. <laughs> now, you're cool because you're here. <laughs> but you have some family members You have some family members And during Christmas They're going to say some wild shit Wild, wild, wild And I don't know if you can take it <laughs> But you're going to need to drapes them up I'm so sorry I understand that your grandmother's name, but just a tussle. <laughs> just shake her small, small. <laughs> like, because you can't keep using this excuse that, oh, but you know, like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm an intersectional feminist. God, why did you let the white women have that word? <laughs> the one that was sat next to me on, what was it, Common Ground, and she was... Oh, yeah. Oh, that was so sly. Yeah, because we have to look at the intersections and the situation. Shut yeah. up and stop smoking, move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're really, really talking. You're, you're saying very, very harmful things about black women. Yes. Yet, because you dashed in, you sprinkled that word intersection there in a way that you don't sprinkle things yeah. onto your food. You sprinkle that word intersection into there and suddenly it nullifies yeah. the fuckery that you're saying. I don't agree. It doesn't give you carte blanche, does it? No, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. And so... With that being the case, you have to say something to your family members this Christmas. I'm so sorry. I'm so done with, oh, I can't because they're this old or, you know, you know, this happened and, you know, they really struggled in World War II. I, <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. But if they could handle them air raids, then... Mm, mm. <laughs> They were sleeping in the tube station. They were sleeping underground. They've been through things. They can handle you saying maybe less of the racism. Yeah. Just putting it out there. They're more resilient than you think. They're more resilient than you think. Just like, do what you need to do. Your fathers, your mothers, just tell them a little something. And I know that you're like, oh, it's going to be uncomfortable. But you know what's really uncomfortable? Racism is yeah. really uncomfortable. So you being uncomfortable at the dinner table, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. But the same way you can tolerate when your mum's chicken is a little bit bland, you can tolerate everyone just being a bit frosty with you that Christmas. Do what you need to do. All right? Last Christmas, I gave you that clot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that <laughs> I think that, that is the message. Like, we are co-conspirators in all of this. We are co-conspirators, and you have to pull your weight. It's not enough to come and perform goodness uh with your little black square or showing us a picture of your book while I'm no longer talking to white people about look um, what white people can do next. Um we don't want um um, so we don't need any of that. What we need you to do is the work. 
actually. Yeah. Do the work. All right? And that's it. That's, I feel like that's the tarot. Thank you, Charlie. Ooh, thank you, Kelechi. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. You too. Thank you. <laughs> I hope that you're enjoying this live show. And so we've just finished the tarot. And I just wanted to use this chance to big up BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And if you're thinking about ways to channel your rage and to get more hope, um, BetterHelp can help with that. Because unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure whether it's a career change, a new relationship or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of your challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine that is called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere and it's 100% online. So, I know that I've benefited from therapy. I don't really think I'd be able to like be in front of all of these people talking about the things that I talk about uh, week in, week out, especially at the live shows without having some semblance of understanding of aspects of myself. And I want that for more people. So that is why it's good to get with BetterHelp. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and um, they'll match you with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It really could not be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash your mind. That's betterhelp.com slash your mind. So go and check it out, betterhelp.com forward slash your mind and see what you can do. All right, let's get to share your magnificent. How are you feeling? Good, 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 good. Well, this brings us on to Share Your Magnificence. So before I do my Share Your Magnificence, I'd like to know about your Share Your Magnificence, right? So who would like to come up first? Yeah, I saw your hand at the back. Yeah. There you go. Join me. Who else? Off you go. Yeah, come on. You might you have to lap each other, but come. <laughs> come through. Join me. Have I got any more show your magnificences? I love, I love getting Cool. Yeah. All right, so don't come up yet. Umba. Umba. Don't come up yet. Wait. Pull you up. Yeah. But you're next after these two and you as well. Okay. Hello. Hi. Giving hair, giving gorge. I'm the real life Moana. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Claim it. Claim it, Disney cutie. All right. Tell me about your show, Your Magnificence. My show, Your oh, Magnificence. Oh, your name. And then tell me your show. Hi, I'm Zara. Manchester born and bred. Boop, boop. Hey. My show, Your Magnificence is Kids of Colour. Shout out. Kids of Colour is the space that I wish existed when I was a child. Kids of Colour is a black-founded organisation here in Manchester by a wonderful person who is a close friend of mine, Roxy Legan. It is um, an organisation that has been set up for children who suffer racism daily in education, in society, in their daily lives, whatever. It is a safe space that creates environments for children to come and explore identity. 
they do work in educational environments um, around exclusions, racist hair policies, racist curriculums. They deliver anti-racism training, policy development. And most recently, we have been advocating heavily for what has now become to be known as the Manchester 10, which is the use of joint enterprise doctrine in a conspiracy case about 10 young people in Manchester who have been incarcerated with a joint sentencing sentence of over 100 years. <gasps> Black boys who are friends from the community in Manchester, mostly Moston, who suffered a terrible, terrible bereavement, who came together in a moment of grief and have now been sent to jail because they were part of a group chat. And kids of colour, Roxy, my G, went to that child day in, child, they're like her children, Mm. trial, day in, day out to counter the racist narrative that comes out of the criminal justice system and the media in Manchester, M-E-N, hang your heads in shame. <laughs> and every single day gave updates and insight into the children that were on the stand, defending their skin, defending the postcodes that they came from, defending the fact that they were migrant children that came to this country. These were boys who were friends from church, from school, from the estate, and have now been locked up on the racist narrative of gangs, a a word that holds so much power, but zero definition. Mm. Mm. And and kids of colour work to support children, young people, families, and communities to fight against this oppression and discrimination every single day and every single day I mean many people if you're from Manchester will know about our Manchester 10 there are boys there are children they might not be ours by DNA but they are our kids because they look like us in 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 our little brothers in our little they are our children and the work that kids of colour have been doing for years and continue to do now is support them and we actively know that the GMP and their special measures work to make themselves relevant through increased arrests, Mm. increased investigation, who pull easy arrests and easy criminal justice um, wins in the courtroom. This super gangs courtroom in Manchester that costs £2 million when we've had the same amount of money plummeted from the youth services and the health services that are supposed to support our children and young people. So what I am here to say is kids of colour and organisations like that, like Northern Police Monitoring Project, like Copwatch Network UK, who work in communities to equip children, young people, parents, carers, big brothers, big sisters, aunties, uncles, teachers, educators, professionals, to equip ourselves with the knowledge and the research and the power, because these people only listen to that academic research you understand that our lived experience don't mean shit to them it is what they see in books that's written by people that they respect with the dr in front of their name that they listen to and these are the people we are the people that work to in communities on a grassroots level every single day to counter that harm and to counter that violence because what our children are going up against from the moment they hit that education system in this country is violence. Mm-hmm. I'll give a shit what anybody says. Education might be free, but it comes with a fucking cost. Mm-hmm. You know? So, <laughs> this is about magnificence, so I'm going to end on a positive. Kids of colour, Fosia, Chloe, Roxy, Mia, big up yourselves. We could not live without you. <laughs> 
And if you don't know, if you don't know about Kids of Colour, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram. The information about um, the Manchester 10 has been, there's a documentary on Channel 4, jailed over text messages. Mm. We've got a New York Times piece. We've got um, BBC News. There's a whole Twitter thread with daily updates from the trial. It's all there. If you don't know it, get to know it because these are our kids. Thank you. Thank you, Zara. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> All right. Who have I got next? Super, super important. And every day the police are pussyclots. So that's what I have to offer in that situation. Um, okay, cool. Come through. Join me. <laughs> Woo! Here's your mic. Come through. Oh, who wanted the mic? There you go. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Your name? Nas. Nas? Yeah, Nas. Dominique. Nice to meet you both. So um, we've come today because we're from a project called The Goddess Projects. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are a project that supports black women, women of colour, non-binary people to develop, to achieve, to just smash it in their community. Um, Started about four, five years ago um, with me and Dom. Um, and we have got a community of about 90 black wow. women, women of colour, not just from Liverpool, actually. We've spread out right across. We've got some women from Manchester as well. We do stuff like um, go for walks, you know, just spend time together. Um, we laugh quite a lot, like witches, quite enjoy that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a book club that we specifically only read black women. Um, in it, um, we, which is called Black Girl Lit. Um, and we also have a festival every year called TGP Fest, okay. Liverpool, which is all issues and things and, you know, enjoyable things as well. Um, me and Dom have been met, admitted for a long time now. And we just knew that as black women when we were together, just loved being together, enjoyed each other's company. And we think a lot of the time with black women, some of the way we are framed, maybe not by ourselves, but by other people's through a guise of like strife and through mm -hmm. a guise of like, negativity and we were just like when we're together we have a ball mm. so we, we just wanted to recreate a community so that when we are the only black woman in the room we're not because we've got 90 women behind us yes. who are all just like go girl yes. <laughs> so what we wanted to do was obviously give you a gift because I think what we've recognized oh, is from um a lot of the time we basically Emma who's at the back there's Jade there's Shelda, there's Fran, there's Di, there's Katrina. All our girls are at the back. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> Emma at the back was the one who said to me, Dom, you need to listen to Kalechi. And this was like 2020, maybe wow. around that time. Yeah. And I've gone back um, and listened to everything from the start <laughs> <laughs> to, to now, to like today, till um, the, the um, podcast that we listened to, obviously last week as well. And I think for me, what I've realized with myself is that um, there's not enough time for us to say thank you to you. There's mm -hmm. not enough time for us to show appreciation to Kletchy for doing this, for taking mm -hmm. the energy and the time, the time away from Lev, the mm -hmm. time away from family to do this and come here and be with us today. And it takes so much. I mean, me and Natalie both realize that when we do the things that we do for the girls, we realize, yes, we do it for us, but also there is time to show appreciation and thank, thank you, you and love for you as well. You. So what we wanted to do was give you a tote, one of our t-shirts. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
I love a toe. I love a toe. <laughs> I don't think you you realise how much you do first. Personally, for me, I listen to you. I'm, I'm a lecturer at John Moore's University. In but, but. <laughs> and I don't think you realise I listen to you every Monday. Like, you've helped me get through my working week. And I'm so appreciative for everything that you do. Thank you. Um, and so are the girls as well. This translates to them as well. So it's just to say thank you so much. Thank you for all the work that you do. Um, when you decide to take a break, girl, take a break. Honestly. Um, and well! <laughs> <laughs> no, because we do, we realise everything that you do. Um, in relation to the Goddess Project, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you want to obviously join us, join us. We, we walk every Saturday. We're here as well. But thank you, obviously, for, for giving thank us the you. time and the space as well. But thank you for everything you do. Thank Fletch, you. Thank you, you both. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that's beautiful. Do I have more magnificence? Sisters, Is someone coming up through? Oh, that's nice that somebody helped someone down the stairs. <laughs> Um, but, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> it's the light on there. I don't want people moving in the darkness. There's, thank you. <laughs> hey, how are you? Lovely to see you. Why are you scared? Hi. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Um, so the magnificence that I wanted to share with you today is of three women in the past because I'm working on a children's book about people in history. Nice. Um, early stages. But I don't know if anyone's heard of Sarah, Angelina, and Angelina Weld Grimke. Some of the literature people might know. Well, Angelina Weld Grimke was um, a mixed-race black woman who kind of pre... She was a writer, playwright. I'm really nervous. Sorry. (sighs) (laughs) This is Umber, by the way. Hi, I'm Umber. Hi. Um, (laughs) You wouldn't think we used to speak publicly together. It's been a few years. Um, But Angelina Weld Grimke is the great niece of Angelina and Sarah Grimke. Mm. So Sarah and Angelina Grimke were around in the Victorian era, sort of born sort of 30 years before Harriet Tubman, Mm. just for context. And they came from South Carolina and their parents were slaveholders and they were white women. And they were the first white women to, from, who were from families of slaveholders to actually completely get away from their family and become abolitionists. Can you hear? And, sorry, can you hear? Can you see your mates? Oh, sorry. What are we doing in hear? South Carolina? <laughs> yeah. Well, you overcome in Turkey, you can't speak. Anyway, let's so continue. It's a very uh, brief history because there's just amazing stories. Uh, Sarah Grimke wanted to be a lawyer, but there was no, she couldn't become a lawyer. Um, her father was a judge, so she went on to join the Quakers because of her abolitionist beliefs and her church um, ejected. What do they do with churches? Like, you can't come anymore because she said that, you know, slavery was evil and all that. Oh. Anyway, her brother, that Angelina was the younger sister. Mm-hmm. I can't get into it because it's not my show. Um, <laughs> it's not. Um, so they had a great niece, Angelina Weld Grimke, and... Their brother, Henry, was also an enslaver, and he had these two sons with um, an enslaved woman. And when their brother died, 
they found out about these two children and they welcomed them into the family, put them through education and all of, and they ended up both being extremely successful. Had one of them, who's Angelina's father, whose name I've forgotten, Angelina Weld Grimke's father, he um, founded the double, NAACP. Okay. Yeah, so he was one of the founders or the founder. Can't remember now. Not very good at this. Um, so <laughs> if I'm getting that right, he's a black man? Yes, yes. And Angelina Weld Grimke's mum was a white woman. So yeah, so Angelina and Sarah Senior were both white women. And, and then, then one of them married this guy. No, so their brother had these illegitimate children yeah. with an enslaved woman in his house. Upon his death, Angelina and Sarah discovered that they had these nephews. So the niece, were black. Oh, the nephews. And so one of the nephews... Then had a daughter who he named after Angelina. And one of the nephews started the NA... No, that man, the father of Angelina Weld, started the NAACP, apparently. Okay, okay, I'm following. The family tree is long. I... <laughs> So this is an extraordinary family. And the reason I want to share this uh, magnificence is because not only were they the most, two most famous women in America for a few years who have now forgotten for some reason, um, also these famous quotes that come from them that no one knows that they said um, or wrote. They wrote pamphlets um, and they really furthered abolition at such an early point. And they didn't live to see the end of slavery, but they dedicated their lives to it. And the reason I want to bring up this genealogy of greatness and magnificence is because I've had to realize that my that there's a lot in my in my family that is so toxic that I've had to just to choose my own life, mm. literally between life and death. Mm. Um, so I've had to let go of so many people I love, and so many of them have died as well recently. It's been for everyone, I think, just a couple of years of just fire and just flood and it's been awful it's a lot more I can say but it's been really helpful for me I found out also a lot about myself I found out I'm autistic and I found and I realized that my nerdiness and my obsession with learning about hu other human beings and how they live their lives is due to my autism in large part and it's a huge part of why I'm able to really delve into other people's realities so it's a gift which is part of my genealogy as well um, so, yeah, I just want to share their magnificence and mine for being able to sort through the toxic and non-toxic parts of my genealogy. Not there yet. But, um, yeah, just women ahead of their time who should be remembered. Yeah. And thank you. Oh, obviously, everyone says thank you. But literally last Monday when you put, not last, was the week before, the three-hour episode. Just those Mondays, they always those episodes always arrive when I'm just like, I can't do today. I just can't. So it honestly fills, fills my heart up that I'm able to be here for you. It was hard to get here. I'm sure it was for a lot of you too. Yeah. But I was like, I'm going to fucking get here. It fucking kills me. So I made a commitment. Yeah, and I, and I left the house after like two weeks and I'm really proud of myself. I'm proud of you. I'm really fucking proud of you. You are just being, just you. Someone asked me about how I found the podcast and I was like, I was already a fan, but when we met, I fell in love with Kalechi. Okay. And that is what it was like. We got that train and she read tarot for me and told me that I was of the sun. And I was just like, what the fuck? Who are you? <laughs> and I never forgot it. And I never will. And thank you very much. We thank all love you, you so much. Thank you. Amber. Well done. Thank you, thank you. And whatever you do, whatever you move on to do, we will support you 100%. Thank and you, you never have to be defined by what you've decided now. You can make new choices, Thank like you. me.
<laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Ambar. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful. Give it up for Umbar. Thank you. Is that, are those my magnificences done? Yeah. Oh, one more. All right, let's go. Two more. All right, let's do it. No, it's okay. Come back. Oh, yeah, it's there. Come. Of course. Sure. <laughs> Nice. Come through, Red Boot. Hey, hey, grab a seat. Do you want the microphone first? Here you go. Come through. Don't worry, just <laughs> drop down and get your eagle on. Go, hey, drop down and get, hey. <laughs> oh, you've got some Megastallion knees. I like it. <laughs> You can lean on it. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Thank you. Let's grab another chair. It's a party up in here. All right. Hello, cool. Hello. Welcome. 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 Welcome, Red Boot. <laughs> loving it. The, the looks. I'm, I'm loving what you're bringing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, your names? I'll start with you. Yvette. Yvette. Lovely to meet you, Yvette. I'm Kaz. Kaz, nice to meet you. I'm Isaiah. Isaiah, lovely to meet you. Okay, Taz. So, um, our magnificent that I want to share with you and all of you guys is that me and my bestie over here um, started a black poleware company. Oh! Yes! Yes! <laughs> and it's hard. And we started it because, as you well know, representation in the black community, in the pole community, is sort of non-existent. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of white spaces. We're not really encouraged and our movement isn't really celebrated even though we are the founders of the sport. Mm. And there's a lot of people who would have loved to take an up pole, one of them was myself. But then when I went into look into it, it was always white people, white people, mm. white people, white people, skinny white people, skinny white people. And I'm thinking, this ain't gonna be able to do no pole or anything mm. like that. And then there's people like yourself and Lila at Black Stage, yeah. Elijah at Black Girls Pole, yes. and they're killing it. And we were just like, you know what? We need pole wear as well that yeah. represents us. Yeah. We need stuff that just says, you know what? We're black and we pole dance and we're proud and we like yeah, it and we yeah. enjoy the things. And to wear our stuff out so that people, just regular people can go, you know what? I can do that too. Yes. So we thought, you know what? Why not? <laughs> Let's, yeah. We know nothing about fashion industry. <laughs> we know nothing about design, but we know what we like. Yes. So let's go and do the thing. So we created a little oh. brand. Yes. This is one of our little Woo. girls. Look at she, look at she, look at she. Yes, take the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so the brand's called Kadea Co. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. All right. That's the name. That's the name of the brand. Kadeco. We're on the Instagrams okay. and all the things. And it's a blend of our names and the Jamaican saying Medea, because we're here. Yes. We're proud we're here to represent. And co, because, you know, just throw a little word on the end. It's just like company, you know, so we're official. And, yeah, we, so we created these three beautiful black illustrations, these beautiful women that represent pole dancers in different sort of um, forms. 
from everyone who just, just likes to stand there looking cute on the pole yes. to ones who like to do the tricks and the ones who like to move and dance. Yes. But basically, we're just here to represent black women of pole and just to do the thing. So give us a follow. And <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's they made it. Like, oh, that's all you yeah. for. <laughs> Cass said, give us a follow. And you're like, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Please give us a follow. Give, give them a follow. Huh? Spell it. Oh, yeah. My crocs, girl. <laughs> my crocs in it. Good, yes. <laughs> do you have the croc? Do you have the croc charms? Are you just showing? Right, I'm right. So my croc charms, postage strikes in it. But I'm going. My friends got. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Good. So this spell it. Can you see that? No. There? What does it say? K e d e y a h k o. Yeah. yeah? Do you need me to say it again? Yes, say it again. K-E-D-E-Y-A-H-K-O. Yeah? Perfect. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hi. 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 <laughs> um, my share, Your Magnificence, is for my amazing partner who is somewhere in the back. Where <laughs> are you? <is>. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> So my partner is a teacher at a white school. And ah, teachers be going through it, man. Oh my God. <laughs> so in her department, there is, so there's three leaders. There's her, an Asian woman, and a white man. And ah, my, my partner, an Asian woman, be running circles around that white man. And he does not listen to a word they say, but they be knowing. So just like big up all the teachers that are going through it, that are trying their hardest, that, you know, are fighting against the system, fighting against their own colleagues, their own students, fighting against the whole school that they work at. When you are like incredible, you are hardworking, you are intelligent, you are knowing and knowledgeable and all of that good stuff. Um, and I love you so much. <laughs> My partner, okay, just like a quick second. My partner is incredible. She's funny. We laugh. We love each other. We hold space for each other. We laugh about our parents and their wayward ways. <laughs> I love you so much. You're so incredible. <laughs> I've truly never known love and connection. And... <laughs> I, you mean the world to me, and I love you so much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Woo! Thank you. Oh, I love that. Had a bit of poll. Had a lot of love. And, you know... We have to, you know, I was talking earlier about rage and then making space and then making space for things. We, we, it's not just about making space for rage. We have to make space for love. And I think that sometimes in our cultures, in our generations, um, the, the instincts that can kick up sometimes is like, oh, that seems, no, I, you know, I don't know about that. I don't agree with that as if we, 
Why do we need to agree with somebody else's life, with somebody else's breath? What we are meant to do is to support somebody else's life, support somebody else's breath. In a world that is so devoid of love in so many instances, if you are truly knowing of love and you're truly at one with spirit, you celebrate love everywhere that you see it. And so that is what we should be doing. And it involves, you know, breaking away from our traditions, from um, our cultures, especially our cultures that have been infiltrated by white supremacist heteropatriarchy that makes us believe that we have always been, that we have never been that way. You know, we haven't, we weren't doing all of them things there. Like if you look at our deities, if you look at so many things, like we have been about it from early. And then um, the transatlantic slave trade colonization came and interrupted our histories, brought some next thing. And then they then went, and then created, you, they told you that this is wrong, that is wrong. Then they went off and they started doing, oh no, everything's great. And then they're going to penalize you for following the laws that they brought to your land in the first place, where you were always accepting, you were always celebrating. So it's about us going beyond what colonialism has done to us that's robbed us of our ability to love and see each other in our trueness, in, in, in our true nature. I just feel like that's important to, to stress, like, we have to move beyond this whole thing, like where it's Black Lives Matter, but not the lives that I don't agree with because this, that, this, that, that doesn't rock with me, right? Um, so where are we at? Look, look at me! Look at me being on time. I feel like that's... Uh, thank you all for sharing your magnificence. Like, that was amazing. And I want to take time to share the magnificence that I chose. Um... And also, big up Leona Nicole Black. Because um, we talk about magnificence, we talk about the genesis of things. And I've said to you many times before that I wouldn't be doing tarot if it wasn't for the fact that I saw Leona, uh, this incredibly, incredibly smart woman, incredibly, Leona's there. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing tarot if it wasn't for the fact that I saw another black woman exploring and, and really being curious and in her curiosity, making space for others to be curious with her. And um, I've learned a lot from Leona. I've learned a lot from seeing how she um, navigates that space, navigates uh, the conflict that we sometimes feel when we've grown up um, in certain Abrahamic religions, and then we're looking at, but what does this mean for me outside of all of the things that I've been taught? What, where, where do I find the God in myself? Like, you know, I'm part of spirit. What does that mean for me? And so, um, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be for me. It wouldn't make sense. I'm glad that you're here. Um, it wouldn't make sense to not big up Leona all day, every day, because this wouldn't be happening. Thus, the podcast and how you all know the podcast to be wouldn't really be what it is if it wasn't for the fact that Leona decided to follow her calling. And this is why I also think it's important for all of us, go with the thing that's calling you because you don't know somebody who else you're freeing by freeing yourself. And I know like earlier I was cracking jokes about this, that it's not just the white people, all of us. Like there's some fuckery in our families, in our relationships, in this and that, that if we don't come face to face with it, if we don't decide that, you know what, this is too, this is enough and we don't liberate ourselves, we're actually denying so many other random people that we might meet or never meet their chance at liberation because their, and their liberation actually depends on you. you. You don't know them. You might know them, you might not know them. 
But by you merely doing something, let's say like, boom, um, I don't want to work at this place anymore. You change that job. Just by you wearing a particular t-shirt or whatever, wearing a particular coat and being out at, I don't know, 7.58, one Monday morning, because you left that job, you, are, you actually are now wondering, going to wherever you're going to, maybe going for a walk in the morning. Somebody then sees you. There's something about what you've worn that sparks something for them and then off they go. It's not necessarily something that you do consciously, but by you following the thing that's calling to you, you're saving someone else and you don't even realize. So it's just, I think that that's what we should take into uh, 2023. Be brave enough to at least explore the thing that's calling you, not just for you, but for the other people who are relying on you that don't even probably know you exist. Yeah. So thank you, Leona. Big up yourself. Um, so my show your magnificence actually discovered this through Annie, um, is, uh, where is this? The British stole Benin's bronzes, um, and it's a theft that still hurts. There's this guy, um, let me just find his name. What's his name, Annie? Mark Walker. So thank you. So Mark Walker is a white man who, um, he's, it was his dad that died. Some old person in his family died, Sha. Uh, <laughs> and so anyway, um, this old person in his family died and he was left with, he, he inherited some things from the man. And so he went looking through it and then it was, he was using one of the Benin bronzes as a doorstop. <laughs> and so obviously uh, Mark sees it and he's like, this looks important. But old granddad or whoever the fuck was using it as a doorstop. A part of our history that was stolen. <laughs> stolen from us. Somebody was just using it to pim the door. Um, so um, from what we uh, found out about him, he knew that his fellow whites were, were on some bullshit. So he was like, I'm not telling them that I have this. <laughs> so, because... Um, Actually, when you find things like that, you're meant to let the British Museum know so they can come and steal it from you. <laughs> so he made a point of not letting them know and basically smuggled it out of the country and took it back to... Yes, exactly. Exactly. But you see what I mean about co-conspirator? He was just like, these white people are crazy. Okay. <laughs> and so he smuggled it out. It was literally a mission. Smuggled it out. Like you can't, customs can't know what you're, like nobody can know what you are taking out of the country because it's essentially, they might see it as a way like treason, basically. Um, so I'm just getting, strolling all the way down to what he found. Um, yeah, it literally looks like a doorstop. It says here, well, it's not. Um, the first time Mark Walker laid eyes on some Benin bronzes, it wasn't in a museum. It was around 1960, and he was visiting his grandmother. Um, I seem to remember that one of them might have been used as a doorstop, Mark says. His grandfather was part of the punitive expedition that raised the empire. He brought back many things from Benin, which is how Mark found himself with two bronzes. I thought it was one, two. Granddad took two. Um, it takes two, baby. It takes two, baby, to rob from Benin. <laughs> um, he didn't realize uh, what they were until his mother gave him his grandfather's diary. 
His diary is simply a description of the horror of the place, the stench, Mark says. They found hundreds of bodies in various states of decay. We've seen, uh, since discovered there's a frenzy of human sacrifice during the British advance on Benin, apparently an attempt by the Benin religious authorities to get the gods on their side. The kingdom of Benin had a long history of human sacrifice. Accounts of it had fueled the appetite back in London to take over Benin. And of course, we know how history is told. I'm not saying that. Multiple things can be true at once, right? But you just needed any reason to get in there. Because if they were doing human sacrifice or whatever the fuck, and you didn't have anything that you wanted there, you wouldn't care. But you wanted things. Um, when the Oba knew the British were coming, reports show he did commit more brutal sacrifices to appease the gods. Mark decided he wanted to give the bronzes back. They belonged with the descendants of those who made them. He decided not with his descendants. In 2014, he did just that. Wait, when did you get it? Mark. Mark, wake up. You have some answers to give. Um, he found it around 1960. But it's 2014 that he gave. Maybe it was a long process. Maybe there were strikes. Um, <laughs> um, oh. Rat poison is always. <laughs> An elaborate ceremony was organized to welcome the bronzes home. Hundreds of people attended. Oh, look at him in his sun hat. <laughs> That son was dealing with him. <laughs> I was almost mobbed by the crowd. Young boys, old men, old women were wanting to touch me, shake my hand, and tell me what a wonderful thing I'd done, Mark says. I was thoroughly embarrassed by it, as you might imagine. I really felt that I didn't deserve all of this. You didn't. Um, I, <laughs> I was only just doing something I felt which might help uh, with the wider problem of how we're going to reconcile our different histories. So how is it that this white man understands and King Charles, or AKA KC3, does not understand? So it's, we are deeply apologetic, deeply apologetic for our history and what has been done. And we hope that we can all move forward together. Redistribute the wealth. We wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> so if one white man can understand, or if one white person can understand, that means that all the other people them can understand. Give back the people them things. Like, give the people back their things. Yeah? It's very, very straightforward. Um, we are very keen on our own past. How can we tell other people that they should forget their past? No, but Mark is knowing some things. And this is funny, because how old would Mark be? Exactly. Somewhere 67? No, because 1960s when he got the thing, he was already a fully grown man. Yes, he was already a big man. And then, and then now, huh? Huh? Right. But already he was. We have to check. All I know is that Lady Hussey is a pussy clerk. Really, that's where I was going. <laughs> I 
always had one aim. I don't, I don't know, no maths. I only had one aim. <laughs> I'm trying to understand the chrono chronology, but not really. <laughs> um, what did he say? Uh, the people that once, uh, uh, the people of what was once Benin are still fighting for their past. Thousands of bronzes still sit overseas in the UK, Europe, and the US. Um, what did it say? It took Victor, this is the person that this um, exhibition is about, his first solo show as an artist in London before he could see the bronzes face to face. Um, the people of Benin may never be able to claim their stolen art, um, but Victor and other artists like him have decided the time has come to reclaim the art form. So this is an um, exhibition that's going on. It says here, to hear how Mark's effort to return the bronzes involved a smuggling operation, two British cops and um, a bat and Batman. Um, you can listen to the, um, a podcast that they've got going on. Um, oh, the podcast is called um, Stuff the British Stole. So let's get into that podcast. That sounds like something I want to listen to. <laughs> so big up Stuff the British Stole, the podcast for doing the work. And Mark Walker, you keep on walking to righteousness. Well done. Big up, Mark. I mean, I'm of the firm belief that I don't believe in giving white people cookies for things that they should be doing, but at least somebody's doing it because at this time when we're seeing people arguing about the most basic shit, when I see somebody actually doing the work, I'm with it, yeah? Well, that's my show, Your Magnificence. And yeah, let's take a break and we'll come back for So You Mad and Straw of the Year. Yeah. All right, cool. See you in a bit. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, that was Share Your Magnificence done. Uh, before we move on to So You Mad and Straw of the Week, I just wanted to bring, uh, big up Typology. So basically Typology, they're a French skincare brand that started from a mission to demystify the skincare industry. How are they doing that? By creating clean skincare products with paired back formulations. It's just got the essentials, nothing more. And with naturally active ingredients, they're extremely effective. Uh, the the simplicity of the products um, means that you get what you need to get out of it and nothing less. They're super minimalist, inspired by old apothecary stores, and they look amazing on my bathroom shelf. I love um, their moisturizers. There's a night oil that I use as well that keeps my skin popping. You see it? Popping. Um, so there's something for everyone, regardless of budget. And um, you can get this uh, Discover set that they uh, sent to me as well, which is really nice. Um, it allows you to explore a range of face and body care products in 10 miniature size uh, sort of uh, uh, containers. Um, the gift sets, they start from just £41 and they're beautifully wrapped in Typology's signature orange gift box. So I really like it. And if you want to buy someone a thoughtful gift this year, go to um, uk.typology.com dot com forward slash straws and if you follow the link you will receive a free purifying cleansing bar with charcoal and that's worth 12 pounds perfect for the person that you want to you know get some cutie cutie bits for order by friday 16th of december and you should get your delivery in time for christmas but obviously we know that stripes uh, stripes stripes and them things there so um just be aware of that um so yeah, so remember that it's uk.typology.com forward slash straws. And yeah, go and get your life. Let's get to So You Mad. So like this isn't, can you hear me okay? Maybe it's just me hearing myself. Feels slow. Um, right, so we're back. We're back. We're back. Back, my back, my back, my blog. <laughs> the real ones. Well done. Well done. <laughs> All right. So, 
I guess we need to get into the things. The glaringly obvious one for So You Mad um, is that documentary. What can I hear? I can hear like some kind of whirring. Um, so who's watched it? Who hasn't watched the Meghan and Harry documentary? Watched it. Okay. Lorraine, did you did you watch it? <laughs> so basically, I would like us to discuss what that was. Because, you know, I really had to refrain. I really had to refrain from saying the things that I wanted to say online because say my say. So before I even say anything, I want to check that I, the other people, whether we're on the same page, whether we're not on the same page. So the um choose your fighter. Um <laughs> so I nominate Lorraine. Well, I nominate Lorraine, so I need Lorraine up. Who else watched it that has things to say about it? Oh, where did that come from? Join me. Let's go. Yeah. Thank you. Do I have another chair? Who watched it and loved it? You watched it. Who loved You watched All right, let's go. Huh? Who watched it and loved it? Let's go, 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 let's go. Can I get an extra chair? We need an extra, have we got an extra chair? Yeah. Okay. Well, and this is why it is, look at the way Lorraine is sat. Lorraine is about to do some damage. So, thank you. Oh, you brought the chair, Rob. Okay, join me. Um. Okay. Hello. Um, here you go. So, oh, the battery's low on this, so I need another mic. All right. Um, so, please pay attention. I've watched, I've given you the eye a few times now. I won't give you the eye again. Right, so, um, a lot was happening in that documentary. I think that it was Autry that said, why are we calling it a documentary? It's literally a reality TV show that they've, 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 they've just essentially started a reality TV show. But whatever, I guess, whatever word you want to use for it. So before I share my views, I'd love to know, you said you enjoyed the documentary. Yes. So tell me, oh, tell me, sorry. tell me, don't just talk that's the whole point of this like we don't all have we do not all have to agree I just want to know you know different opinions all right let's go for it yeah I did I enjoyed them just giving us their their opinion from you know their real life um experience of what it was obviously it's different obviously we're not used to hearing from the royals in that way 
um, if we can still call them royals, mm. controversial. Um, but I just think that why shouldn't they be able to speak their truth? You know, as as we that's our thing, isn't it? You mm -hmm. know, speak up, speak your mind, say your mind. Mm. Um, so for me, why shouldn't they be able to speak? You know, their experiences of what it is. Now, you know, otherwise we'll never know. It's like a guessing game. Otherwise, isn't it? You know, we're only going from what we see and hear the media oh. um, say about them. So I just feel like if together. You know, they've got each other now, and that's obviously all they need. Obviously, the love is real, and we've never really seen... Wait, okay, so when I was thinking about um, William and Kate, you know... Oh, does anyone just... want to see? Yeah, like, you know, who even knows what's going on with them? Are they, are they even really... <laughs> <laughs> we know what's going on and in. Yeah, we know. <laughs> But yeah, overall, we don't know. You yeah. know, and I just think that we should... I, yeah, for me, I just enjoyed seeing them in their truth, if that is what it is, you okay. know? Um, and I guess the disrespect in some ways that people feel to the royals, to his dad, to grandma, um, at the end of the day, you know, let them speak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah? Cool, thank you. Um, what's your name? It's your ma, lovely. Thank you for joining me. I didn't get your name. Asha. Asha, thank you, Asha. There you go. It's your ma. Tell me, what, what are your views about that? So, first of all, I don't know if everyone's seen the video of when Meghan Markle went to this school to do a talk, and then the boy on stage looked at her and said, wow, she really is beautiful, in it? That's exactly <laughs> how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> really is beautiful <laughs> you're welcome so uh yeah i shouted it was absolutely cringe um as you said it was more like a, a reality tv show than a documentary i feel like when it started off and it, she had that interview when she was talking about how oh someone said prince harry or prince william and she was like oh i don't know but i thought it was very it was just a bit too much. She knows what we're, what the people are angry about, but I think by addressing it so head on, she's just feeding into the fact that people say she's cringe. And then um, I'll say that she's a liar about not knowing who Prince Harry was. Mm. Um, but the main thing was uh, just the uh, the clip of Harry when he was lying in bed and they like zoomed in on his face, like, I don't know, like it was some sort of rom-com. And I was like, this is what people don't want to see. This is, this is what the people feel like they've lost Harry to. And you just feed him right into it. So yeah, it was just super cringe, super weird, quite hard to watch, even though I'd like to say that I'm not a fan, but she doesn't make me like angry. So yeah, Thank you. that's all from me. Thank you. Um, Lorraine. Whew. Right. Oh, wow. The chair I need space. Back. I need space. I need space. Woo. First of all, that documentary wasn't for us. Parts oh. one to three wasn't for us. No offense to the white people here. The for us, you know, the for us that FUBU was talking about, for us, by us. Yeah. It, was for, it wasn't for us because that was the most whitewashed, bullshit I have ever seen because maybe I should address Harry because I know the ops are always doing monitoring spirit on your podcast so let me address 
let me address the Duke himself because his PR is going to be doing up listening, listening, listening. So let's talk. Because if we're going to talk about Harry being anti-racist and all the like, let's start, Harry, with how you were doing up imperialism from 2005 to 2015 in the British Imperial Army bombing brown people. Because if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. And when he dis- when you, Harry, described them as the best years of your life, what was amazing about killing brown people? Tell us. Let's talk. Let's talk. Number two, Harry. When you are talking about doing anti-racism, tell us why are you at the helm of an NGO called African Parks that is doing up imperialism via conservation in Africa. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing up land grab, dispossessing indigenous people so that tourists can come and do Serengeti safari? Let's talk about that, Harry. Because if we're going to talk about anti-racism and you coming up and saying you are different from your family, then show us. Let's talk the things. Because as far as I see, you are still doing the imperial bidding. You are, this is a PR stunt. This is uh, trying to come across as though you are rebranding. And I find it very peculiar that you only address the Nazi costume because that was in the, in the media. Let's oh. talk about everything else. Let's talk about the money that you're chopping. That is all colonial proceeds. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you're still holding on to them titles if you don't want anything to do with imperialism. Let's talk about that. I think personally, what is for us, hopefully will come in episode three to six, which is... <laughs> Which is them dropping the name about who wanted to know if the baby was going to be a nignog. That is it. That is all I want to know. Everything else is a lie. Because they acknowledge their privilege. But what they do is activism that actually doesn't challenge white supremacy. And my last point is... What the fuck is unconscious bias, Harry? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what unconscious bias is. Because the only unconscious bias I recognize is clotting people unconscious without bias. (laughs) Everything else, call it what it is. You are doing a racism. Say, I was doing a racism. There's nothing (laughs) unconscious about that bias. So I think we were given this uh, PR stunt of frill and love and fluff and we're all supposed to get lost in the love of it all. And don't get me wrong, the British media are are pussycluts. They're pumplexes. But these two aren't any better because until they showed Meghan that she was not one of them, they were happy to be doing up PR, PR, and charity, charity work for the monarchy. So, please. Well, thank you. Hold on to it, hold on to it. Because now I want to check back in after you've heard that, what, what comes to your mind um, about that? Because ultimately, 
that's really exactly how I felt. You know, like I wasn't, I'm not silly enough to share, you know, this kind of layered critique online because we know what kind of fodder it will be for racist British press, right? But that's what I find so interesting about racist. So fucking ridiculous because it was an open goal. Like, it was literally an open goal. That documentary was horrendous. It was an open goal. There were so many aspects of that that if you really wanted to use your sense, you could body them so easily. As a couple, you could deal with them, but you, you don't know things. You don't know things because you don't read books. You don't know anything. Because why are you sitting there telling us? But the, ultimately, I think about the fact that wouldn't it be interesting if, like, in, the, in essence, this feud that you're all having helps to keep you all relevant because there has to be a bad guy. There has to be a good guy. There has to be, right? And so while we oscillate between the two, you stay in the newspapers. You you got a whole Netflix documentary. I'm not saying that anyone's necessarily doing anything underhanded or conniving, but my whole thing is none of you look good in this. Like, I always say it, everybody's mad. Literally everybody's mad. I couldn't, in all honesty, make it past episode two because I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is actually ridiculous. And I wouldn't go and tweet it. Like, people are going to have to really come and sit down and trawl through the podcast to get this, you know, this aspect of things. And it's on the podcast. If you really wanted it that bad, you can come and get it and then go and run your transcript. But for me to tweet it and to have people have that to use, no. News publications reached out and they were like, oh, do you want to write about the documentary? I see that you're watching it. No, the fuck I don't want to write about it. Because if I write about it, I'm going to have to tell the truth. And you don't want, you can't handle the truth. You don't want the truth. Because even the last time when I wrote for Essence and I tried to keep it cute and be like, now you see what racism is like in the UK, all the Sussex squad decided, and you know how I feel about them already. Like I just, I think I, any stand culture, I don't like it. Because why are you devoid of, um, of critical thinking? There is nobody that I like on this earth so much that I'm incapable of seeing if they're doing something that is not right. But stand culture means that you fight tooth and nail for this person you, you like, you've likely never met, but you'll fight tooth and nail for them and you'll ignore their flaws. Like you can, multiple things can be true at once. The monarchy, Britain as a whole, full of pussy clots. Yes. Right? The, the, uh, the royal family, white supremacists, fine. At the same time, what do you mean that in America, you did not know that you were black? Like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean that your mom said to you, um, this is about race? And I said, no, mom. I was angry. No. What? So basically, if I was going to be terrible, let's say that, for instance, everything in my life fell to shit and I started working at the sun. <laughs> Go with me. Like, my life's a mess. I'm working at the Daily Mail. Like, everything, I've just, I've absolutely fucked it. All the ancestors have left me. I started reporting for GB News, right? Bought a stiff wig, the whole works. So, so I'm there now, and I've watched, and I've watched this documentary. What I'm going to come at you with is that you're angry with us. You're trying to use black people and the people who feel for you. You're trying to use them for a vendetta that you have against them because they made you realize that you're black in one way or another. So you've involved us in your vendetta against them because how dare you show my blackness to me? If I could be with my mum in such close proximity to my mum for decades and I could ignore my blackness, how dare you? 
How dare you, Britain? How dare you, royal family, be the ones to show me what I was trying so hard not to see? If I was an, an, an idiot, if I was a waste man that worked at GB News, The Sun, or The Daily Mail, or if I was a prick that wore a too tight shirt collar like Piers Morgan, that is... That is where I would go because you can't necessarily argue that because you put it in your documentary. Because you're walking with your mom or wherever they were and then someone shouts, Nigger! And you go, they shouted it at my mom. What? what? You were there. So, 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 you, 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 were, they were just talking to your mom, not you? Or maybe because, you, again, and we started having this whole conversation about who is white passing, what is white passing, whatever, whatever. Yes, you're very light, accepted, very, very light. And also we know that America, in terms of discussions about race and the one drop rule, I know that everything can get very, very convoluted. But you have to ask yourself how much you embraced your blackness that your agent, your agent did not know that you have a black mother or did not know that you have black heritage. No, like, let's be serious because... If we're, if we're, this is why I said that it's not a live show in the sense of a live show where I'm talking at you. This is your time to talk back because I want to understand your whole ass agent that's putting, putting you up for jobs that's meant to get you your things said. When the news broke, I, 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 was, I was shocked. <laughs> I didn't know she was black. I thought she was a Californian sun-kissed freckly. You didn't know. So who... Who didn't tell you? She, she didn't tell you. She, she failed to mention that. It just slipped her mind. Look at, the, look at the social media feed that she had prior to that. What kind of life were you trying to align yourself with? In the terms of your friendship circles, you can't tell me that in a whole big, big America, you couldn't find four black friends. Well, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if this is gone. I thought it was interesting because if you looked at her pictures from when she was growing up, she looked more more mixed race then than yeah. she does now, doesn't didn't she? And, and what changed? Hair and stuff. So I guess, well, her hair, first of all, I think she managed to, I guess, control that, for want of better words. So I think, and obviously I've been a mixed race person myself, um, it, is, it is difficult because you end up kind of seeing yourself sometimes how other people see you. So if she was walking around and people did assume that she was white, then I guess she would just kind of in, that would become her then regardless of what her mom looked like because that was her mom's journey and not hers so it yeah. is it is a bit difficult sometimes when you're growing up you know to kind of manage how other people see you and how you see yourself as well yeah if that makes sense I'm definitely and it is yeah. also up to your parents yeah. as well to help you in that direction but that started a lot of chatter what do you have for me in the audience Ha hold this hand here. Come one second. This hand here. What do you have for me? Yeah. No, I thank you so much for that. Um, so, do we have an extra mic? All right. Ah, huh? oh, batteries. Okay. Can I so, can I highlight as well? Like, what the fuck was Megan's mum saying? Oh, we're gonna get. Saying, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna because, get to that. We're no, we're gonna we're gonna come to that because that you make a very salient point there. Like you saw, you, it's like she, it's like she observed. So, um, when it comes out. As an audio for the podcast, it might sound that what you've said might sound really faint. Um, um, but to recap what you said, 
her journey is what's interesting. It's like she observed her mum and her grandmother, you said, you know, hot combs out doing their hair. She had this um, chat with uh, Mariah Carey on the podcast, uh, on her podcast, and they're talking about that experience that they've had of just, people throw the word around, but a sense of racial ambiguity where you can, they can kind of move you in and out of different um, kind of ethnicities or whatever, as it were. Um, And... She doesn't go into it much, which is what I think is interesting. She kind of gives us this and then wanders away. And again, we're saying all of this without seeing part two. Maybe part two comes back and comes out and then I say, yo, I got it all wrong. She came and explained all of the things. But currently, based on what I've seen, the things, they're not matching. It's not, it's not, it's not really matching. Um, so we're going to come to the mum in a bit. But it's just about, I really... <laughs> Let me tell you the line that pissed me off. Growing up um, as a biracial person, um, you never you're, you're you're not black enough, or you're not black enough for the black people, and you're not white enough for the white people. And with all disrespect, I of course I'm not biracial, so I don't know what that experience is, and I know that there are salient truths in what is. Being trying to be conveyed. However, I have an issue with the fact that that is wheeled out every time somebody wants to be with white audiences. Like you want to be in the white community. You'll say you weren't black enough. What do you mean you weren't black? Your whole last black mother is there. You don't seem to be wanting. You said I was a daddy's girl. I was hanging around. You chose your white father. You did. You showed us that you chose your white father. You chose to hang around with like primarily white people. You, you, you curated a life for yourself where you could essentially go undetected. And then, so at what point did you actually try to be around black people? And then when you tried, did you piss them off? <laughs> Were you behaving like a white woman when you got into those spaces? Because somebody has a TikTok, is there a TikTok that talks about that very, very well, where as a biracial person, they were like, I'm going to call this out. We need to stop doing this where we're saying that we weren't black enough for this and we weren't white enough for this because more time, the spaces that we are trying to get into are the white spaces. And then we go, when we don't get into the white spaces, we go into the black spaces, wanting to use the entitlement that we feel that we should have because of the proximity to our whiteness in those black spaces. And they're like, you get the fuck. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, they don't want me to, but it's like, but how are you behaving in those? Sorry, so growing up in Liverpool, um, Matt, yeah. Um, so, and I do think it's definitely your environment, not only your parents, but your environment, your school, all of that. So, yeah, being mixed race with a, um, my dad's a Rasta from Jamaica, my mum's white, um, but my mum always ensured that my sister and I knew where, who we were and where we were from and what our role in society, inverted commas, would be. Um, and I know where we're from in Liverpool, if you've got a speck of black, you're black, <laughs> you know? So I don't know if that, if, that's, if that helped us identify more so with our black side. And people would always say to my sister and I, well, how come you, you know, you say that you're black and you identify more? And it's like, because that, that's what people see when they see us more so than anything else. Obviously, shades can come into it. But at the end of the day, what do you want to, who do you want to be? How do you want to educate yourself so that you know um, where your place should be? So I think with Megan, she's a whole different story because even as a mixed race person myself, when I see Megan, I don't think that her and I are the same. Oh, no, I've never. That's why it was. it would always blow my mind when I'd hear, you know, the whole thing with the racism, I'd be like, but she 
doesn't even, and it's just, it doesn't, it never added up, would never add up to me that she, I did see her as a black woman. And definitely I couldn't see other people seeing her as a black woman. She just doesn't fit that with to me. So, yeah. Say with sorry, with her black mom looking like that, I'm sorry. The mom wanted a white child. Let's just get into that. She wanted a white child. That's pretty much how she wanted a white child. I think you come to like when you're having a child, you want she wanted a child to fit into those spaces. So you can't have with the locks and the nose piercing and say that you don't have like you're not black or your family you your family even her mom the grandma wanted that a more of a white appealing child in society thank you thank you um there's i i know that there's Thank you. <laughs> I know that there's dissent and and um, people have their takes. So if you've got your hands up, Annie's going to try and make it to you. And, and, you know, keep it. You might need to project a bit more as well. So I can hear you. Yeah. Hi. Hi there. Um, I'm a mother of a... Sorry, I can't hear. I'm a mother of a biracial daughter. So when her mom said I hadn't had that talk with her, I was absolutely shocked. My daughter's eight years old. I'm not saying she has to pick a side, but she does identify as black. Because from a young age, I've tried to teach my children that I know that you're half mommy, half daddy, but when the world looks at you, especially my son, they're going to see black. They're going to see the color. So I don't want them to get blindsided when they're older, because when someone says, describes them as black and they're shocked, they're thinking, oh, I thought I was half black, half white. I want them to know who they are so that they're not surprised when they're in any kind of social situation and that they are confident in their identity and they know where they're from they identify really heavily with I'm Nigerian so with my Nigerian side so that's what you know <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do for my kids and sometimes it frustrates me sorry <laughs> when I'm in the whatsapp groups with um they go to I'm from Liverpool so there's lots of white people and um and the school they go to I no disrespect, but I hear like, the white moms complaining about stuff that I find quite trivial because I'm trying to like make sure, especially my son, he stays, he stays alive. He's in a situation where he knows like, how to act, how to behave. Because essentially for my kids, it's life and death and I need them to do the work so my kids don't have to be subjected to their children being ignorant. Um, my daughter wears braids. She loves her braids. and That's probably it, sorry. <laughs> Hi, Kalechi. Hi, everyone. Um, my thing is with Harry and Meghan, I find them very disingenuous. Um, I feel like a lot of their kind of activism is very performative. Yes. Because for me, what really, really pissed me off was, um, I think, when they first did an interview of Oprah, and they were like, we want to do representation for the little black girls. The monarchy is not representation for me. I never look up to them thinking, I want to see a black face there. That's bullshit. Yeah. So for me, leaning on like that and also using typical like buzzwords, like unconscious bias, um, using representation politics, it's so manipulative to me and it pisses me off. And it's just like, fuck off. Like, fuck off. <laughs> I hate it. 
right? I'm going to say this unapologetically. She was trying to be white to get the bag. It's that obvious. She didn't identify as black. Look at her mother. It's shocking. I've got green eyes and I'm light skinned, but there's no way that I pretend that I'm not black. I don't go into spaces and just, oh, I'm so white today, or I just don't feel that way. And why are you complaining about marrying into a family which is known for its bullshit? Just be made choice, shut up, and get on with it. And don't try and represent me when you're talking your bullshit. And Sorry. See, and this is this is what I'm saying. Thank you. And this is what I'm saying that multiple things can be true at once because the fact of the matter is. Obviously, somebody tweeted that the other day and we were all like, ah, shut up. But because, only because it was being said by white racists. So, and, and that's, I, I hope that we all agree. Even if they make a point, we pretend like they haven't. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that's clear. Like we might be saying in this space right now and people who listen to the podcast and whatever, we might be saying what technically they would say, but we're not pricks, right? So they're taking certain things and they're taking their... They're extrapolating from it the sense and the nuance and the empathy that should be there. And it might even sound like we're coming at her like sort of mad, but you gave us that. My whole thing is like, you said, I want to let the world know my side of the story. And this is what you made? Like, who is part of your team that this was the finished product? Like, who, which black woman did you run it by that, was, that had your back? Because if you ask me, instead of getting your league of um, light skins, um, to come through, even the ones that accepted the OBEs to come and do their talking head business. If you'd ask me, it's a Kalechi. So this is what H and I have come up with um, to represent. I would be like, okay, so what we're going to do is delete, 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 delete. Do you want to win this or not? I'm your Olivia Pope. And if you want to win this, I can fix it. Like, if you want to win this, if like my, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. If you want to win this and you want us to take down the monarchy, let me, let me direct the thing for you. And I'll show you how this is going to go. What they gave us, I just felt like, what the fuck? Like, you're no different. You're just involving us in a bullshit feud. That, of course, it highlights so many things that we do need to talk about. The nasty, racist nature of British press. The, the archaic and the horrendous history and present day higgy of the monarchy. We, you've highlighted these things. And if you're the way that we're going to get it taken down, I'm with it. But at the same time, you're not okay. What you've done is not okay. Like, not, like I'm, I don't rock with it. And I love that you made the point. What I'm saying is that I love that you made that point about, notice that in the documentary, she was just like, I, uh, I was geeky. And it's funny to me that the times that she called herself the ugliest was when she looked the blackest. But maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe it's just how they edited it and put the picture. Um, but she was talking and she was like, when I was younger, I wasn't pretty. I was just intelligent. Um, I, I was just intelligent. All this intelligence, she got straight A's. She was this. So I imagine that one of them straight A's was in history. So how is it that? And then you become a UN ambassador. Also, fuck the UN. But also, you become a UN ambassador, or was it Oxfam, or whatever the hell, whatever UNICEF, all of them bitches that you lot were involved with. Like, you did all of that, and you didn't know about the monarchy. You went to, was it India? You, you smiled at the little brown girls' faces. You did all of that. You said that you were traveled. You did, even though you referred to Bush and Botswana, but you, 
you, you traveled, you did all of these things, but you're telling me that in all of your travels, in all of your intelligence, you didn't know the white supremacist clan that he was born of. That's what gets me like, sis, be honest. It's okay to say, like, I saw it. Same as David Olusoga or Olusoga. You knew about their violence. You still wanted your OBE. You knew about their violence and you still wanted to marry your boo. And by marrying him, it might, it would have involved you being absorbed into that family. Say that. But don't come and tell me about, oh, I wanted little brown girls to see me and know that they could be a princess too. Fuck being a princess. So why are you, you, in the midst of their oppression, because of your husband's family, you want them to aspire to be in your position. Is everybody fucking mad? So that's my whole thing. If you're as intelligent as you say you are, like, you know, the, the documentary or whatever the hell it was, was telling us that you are, surely you saw that that was going to be the outcome. So how are you intelligent and also unaware of the racial divides in America and where it was born of, like, where did it start, as in Britain? I, I struggle with a lot of things, but we have to get onto the subject of Doria, her mother, because as a black mother to a biracial son, it hurt because you fucked me up. For the longest time, I was on a stupid high horse that, well, black mothers of biracial children, things are done differently, but of course, I know Tandy Newton's mom is a prick. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, like generally speaking, generally speaking, we usually go with this whole idea that, oh, black mothers of biracial children tend to give them this and give them that. But you showed us that, again, that is a fallacy. And there are realities to accept that if you do have a child with a white partner, there is no, this group gets it right more than this group. People be getting it wrong. And I just don't know how in America you have a child. And of course you said that you said that people were asking your mum when you were younger, that were telling your mum when you were younger that that's not your child. Whose baby is that? So you're aware of racism. You're aware. I just don't understand how you've experienced this racism and you didn't sit down with your daughter and say, let's talk. Because maybe people won't, maybe you won't experience the things that I've experienced due to colorism. However, you need to know the very real ins and outs of what this country is like and what this world is like. You, same way I cussed Keisha's mum. Oh, no, so dear Keisha's mum in that episode of the podcast. Doria, you failed this girl. You failed this girl because you didn't give her, you didn't equip her with the knowledge that she needed to enter into a world that was not going to be kind to her the moment that they realized that you are her mother. And you can't, there, there's only so long that you can play make-believe. And now you're telling her this is about race. And she's like, no, mom, it's not. And you don't know what to do. And at the same time, Harry also did not prepare her. Nobody, of course, she's an autonomous being. She's a big woman. Like, I get it. Megan's a big woman. At the same time, I can't help but think that the people who had a duty to uh, tell her certain things at very important moments in her life did not tell her the things that they needed to tell her. Her mom had a duty and she fucked it as far as I'm concerned. Um, now you've got your locks. Now you're doing your thing. All of those aesthetics mean... All of those aesthetics mean nothing to me. You're, you're a gorgeous woman, but it means fuck all to me because you didn't do right by your child. And then on the flip side of that, we've got Harry. You know that your vampiric family will suck the life out of this girl. You know that, but you didn't, what you thought, 
let's all be honest because people aren't telling the truth. You thought she was light enough that she would she would go undetected. So you were shocked when the British press were like. I have a niggling feeling that there is a niggnog in our midst. You were flabbergasted because again, you also have not engaged with black critical thought enough to know that there is no way that you're getting her through the detectors. It was gone. Wasn't, she wasn't going to make it through, baby. And now everybody's sad. Everybody's sad. Everybody's disappointed. But if everybody had told the truth from the beginning, we would not be in this situation. So unless part, like, part two is you lot telling the truth, I don't want to know. Like When they were upset about the, that Jan Crow's funeral, and, and then he didn't, get to wear, he didn't get to wear his regalia. And he was like, oh, then they finally let him. Oh, I'm so glad they finally let him wear his uniform of imperialism and rape and theft. Wonderful. Why do you want to wear it? So we're not even in terms of Harry. Everyone's so busy with like, oh, he's, he was the outcast. He was this, he was that. He is not trying to leave that system. Whether he leaves the family, I don't see him. And then everyone's giving them awards left, right and center for their anti-racism work. What does, like Lorraine said, what does anti-racism mean anymore then? We're just throwing words around because to be anti-racist would mean that you are also in, inherently anti-monarchy, uh, inherently anti-white supremacy, Right? But you're not. You're not. And, and so I have to sit with the very uncomfortable reality that if you'd gone undetected or let's say for some weird reason, Britain decided to give up on its biggest export, which is racism, and accepted you, you would have been very happy to be absorbed into that family. And you would have gone around the Commonwealth doing all of the things that they required you to do. You would have been very happy to do that. And you would have told yourself that, well, them's the breaks, as I ugly decided to say. You know, um, and, but at the same time, like I said, I can say this on a podcast. We know that it's going to be on a podcast. I can say this in this room. I'm not going to offer this information willingly to, you know, my audience on social media because you then put her in more harm's way. But then it's like, but how, you don't want to put someone in harm's way because you see the humanity in them. However, you can also see the ways in which if the system had worked in their favor, they would actually be of harm to you. Is that a fair? So you've really been here nodding. Oh, no, no, just nodding away. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way as I did. I think it's um, refreshing, reassuring to hear about the nuances that we've all discussed tonight around it. But um, yeah, it's just a shame. I wonder. I do wonder if she did go undetected, whether she would, after a while, speak up. I guess we would never know that, so we have to just give her the benefit of the doubt on that side of things. But yeah, I think it was interesting. Also. We've only watched one episode. I don't know if we're going to continue it. Um, but when she was like, I want my children to know the family that they're coming from or something like that. I thought that was strange. I was like, wait, do you want to be with them or do you not? Like, do they want to be royal or do they not? I can't, I can't gauge what they want. But yeah, thanks. Uh, and, and we've got, quite, yes, yes, here in the audience. Oh, the mic came back. One second, the mic's coming back. Um, 
did you have something to just say? It's entertainment. I don't think it's entertainment. I think it's dangerous. I think it's trying to rebrand oppression because Harry and Meghan are doing up white liberal feminism. They're doing up white saviorism. They're, they're getting awards for doing fuck all. And, and people are supposed to applaud it and think, oh, we're making progress and they're okay and they're not harmful. When they are, this is about proximity to power and maintaining that proximity to power via a different way. There's nothing noble about what they're doing at all because when you deep their charity work, um, it's, it's, very, it's very smelly. It's very, very smelly. Thank you. Um, I think there's something about the lack of strategy around it, like to speaking to what you were saying, Kletcher, about, you know, why did you start with the Oprah? Why did you start with the tidbit about who's, you know, now we're all like, who said it? Who said it? And we're not, they don't want to take it down. They would have been, like you say, happy to participate. And I think there's just something about, it's so disingenuous for them to, I haven't seen it, by the way, but I've watched the, the Amal Rajan thing about, like, the princes and the press and all of that. Like, they don't want to not be a part of it, and all they're doing is self-serving. And if you watch Charles Brandreth, who's got a lot of problems, right, but he was on the BBC News saying he's written his book about the Queen now that she's dead, and la, la, la. <laughs> uh, but basically, like, the palace are going to play the long game. They'll just let this ride out. Like you say, it keeps them in the papers. Who's a good guy? Who's a bad guy? It doesn't matter. The monarchy will continue. They will have walked away with their millions and their awards. For fuck, for what? Yeah. Like, they're not trying to take it down. They never were. They're trying to self-serve, and it's smelly. Thank you. Um, great. And who else do we have? Oh, thank you. I knew there was a noise that was really doing me. Oh, over, okay, well, you're over there, and then we'll go there. Thank you. Yes. Sorry, you had your hand up for a really long time. Those are some strong shoulders. Jesus. Thank you. Sister. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm saying my mind. I think it's a bit of a complex issue because on the one hand, we're sitting here being very judgment, judgmental and rightly so, but all the contributions that I've heard, what it says to me is the principles here are race and class. And actually, that is the goddamn issue. It's about class. I mean, that, we watched a bit of that programme today. The one good thing I thought was at least it's on record how the British press, how they vilify black people. So there's a record of it because we know people are in denial about it. So at least there's that. To me, that's the only positive thing that, that came out of that programme. But then on the other hand, I have to say, it's about, things are about principle. For me, things in life are about principles. What is a good principle? And from their point of view, I can kind of get, like, this is our opportunity to own it and, and say our words. But, sister, you're driven by the money. It's an absolute class issue because you'll retain that relative position of power to the detriment. And, sister, thank you for saying all those people, public sector workers, who are going to withdraw their labour because it's the right thing to do. Thank you. Thank you for your messages of support because this is about class and race you cannot divide the two. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we can go there and then we'll come over here. Okay. 
So just listening to the discussions this, this evening, the theme for me that goes through is inconvenience. It's not naivety. Megan is not ignorant. She knows full well. It's a choice. Mm. And being a, a mixed-race black woman, it's a choice. There's nothing unconscious. There's nothing that you don't know about when you're straightening your hair, styling your hair. There's a choice of where you want to be mm. and who you want to be and how much of who you know you are. Mm. So this whole narrative that's being driven in the press from the, from the press and then driven from H and Megan, I don't buy it. Yeah. So it's, all, it's all contrived um, and it's insulting that she says things like, I didn't know I was black until I came here. It's like, we knew you were black. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, how, how do you not know in America, in LA, but you chose to run in the circles that you run in and you chose the jobs that your agent put you up for that could have been played by a white person because that suited you because you didn't want the inconvenience, babe. Like, you know, all of this, the, the Harry situation, the being mixed race and, and, you know, thinking it's ugly until you're pretty because it's straight. It's all about inconvenience. And I just think I'm tired of hearing the same trope of, oh, do, do they know, is it an unconscious choice? Is it, is it structural? Yeah, they're all structural factors, but, you know, there is an accountability for Megan, and I don't think, really, the documentary did anything for that. Yeah. If anything, it made it much worse. Thank you, thank you. Um, we'll come over here, over here. Thank you. And then we'll come back to this side. Here, on the camel coat. Sorry. That's okay. Um, a lot of the points I wanted to make have actually been made and really well made. But I think the main uh, stay of my argument is that the documentary was never meant to be for us. Well, yeah. I think documentary is a publicity stunt. It's because they've lost the hearts and minds of people in the UK. And what they're trying to do is the majority of people in the West is try and get them back on side. It's got nothing to do with, you know, righting wrongs, particularly from our perspective. I think what they're trying to do is basically make her more relatable. So hopefully, in some respects, she'll be brought back into the fold. That's the ultimate aim, in my view. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad so many hands are up. We're going to get to it because I want to, I want as um, rounded a conversation as possible. Okay. I think for me, it's just trying to find the distinction as well between what terms we use. So mm -hmm. as a mixed race woman, my dad is black. I think there's something about the distinction between white passing and white assumed, mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to pass. There mm -hmm. is no part of me that's trying to pass over and leave half a community behind. People assume that I'm white when they meet me, but I always tell them about the whole of my history and the whole of my family. And I think when Megan talks about white passing, I'm like, because you are trying to pass over. Exactly. You want to pass over. Whereas for me, it's the sense that if you assume that I'm white, that assumption is yours. There's nothing I've told you or nothing that I've given you that's denied half my family. Therefore, I'm white assumed, not white passing. Mm. And I think we need to be clear about the distinction and the difference between that. She's passing. That's literally it. Thank you. 
and that's why we kept stressing passing and people were like, oh, well, no, because no, no, no. Um, you know, in the actual book, you know, um, it, it, the people leave their families behind and they go and do this and, they, and that's exactly what she did. Therefore, she's, what are you talking about? Like, it's all there. She did all the things that you would expect of somebody who was trying to pass. So yes, um, there are other people, as you say, that are white assumed that people are what? I, I just thought. But at that point, that person would clear it up unless they wanted to benefit from the assumption. All right. Thank you so much for that. I love that. Thank you. Um, we'll, we'll do the two front here and then we'll go back over there. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, I was, I've, I've watched all three episodes. Um, I found it really interesting in terms of the people that she surrounds herself by. Hmm. So in terms of, so my background is communications and the people, the advice she was getting was the wrong advice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can you, like, you, you take everything out of it, but, like, as a person, you've got your agents and everything in America. You come over to this country, and then you're just listening to somebody from a royal family. And they already said how stretched the whole thing is. So why would you then, someone's just saying, you, oh, don't invite that person, don't invite that person to your wedding. And they're going, oh, okay. Where's that questioning there? Because, mm-hmm. obviously, she's a big woman. Why is she going to be listening to you know, the royal family and their communications people. Why has she not got her own people around her telling her what she is? But I think you can see that from the start with her agent. Her agent was like, oh, I didn't know that she was mixed. I didn't know that she was mixed race until I saw the mom. But then I used it to my advantage to get her placed in suits and we were able to, like, put into the character that she had a black dad. And it was like, you saw it as an advantage. You know what I mean? It's like, why isn't she as a person advocating for her blackness from the start? Because it's like, I've got a mixed race son. He knows that he is half black, half white. He says it all the time. He says to people, you know, when people say things to him, he says about my mom, well, you know, we go, oh, well, you've got curly hair. He goes, yeah, because my mom's black. Mm. <laughs> and that's why my hair's like this and my dad's white. And they're like, oh, okay. Because I want him to have that empowerment of himself. So a bit like the lady was talking about there. I don't want somebody looking at him and going, you black this. And mm. him being like, who are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> what, what me me because he'd be like yeah and i'm half white as well what's it to you mm. do you know what i mean and he needs to be empowered for that that's not a slur that's not a bad thing mm. he's it's part of his identity and i think i strive really hard to make sure that happens because i don't want him to be in that position thank you thank you and then next to you uh, i just wanted to highlight a couple of things I'm from a fair-skinned black woman, mother. But the blackness is never... As a black mother and black aunties, and I believe we are a matriarchal community, like, there's no silence. Because even if your mum is quiet, your auntie has something to say. So there is a choice. There's a choice. To me, Megan is exactly where she wanted to be, and her mum knew where she wanted her to be too. Because there's no way you got grandma at home as well, and there is silence in your house about blackness. It just doesn't happen. But I am conscious of the fact as well that we sometimes... I don't know, like, black British history is different And it was in the 1960s that Martin Luther King was marching. So what they were growing up in, there's no way she didn't know, but her mum would have made a choice if she was from that era and her mum was from definitely that Mm. era where they would have said, "If if we put her in this position, in that community and for their choices, they still believe that she is winning. And for the dreadlock mum with the nose, she doesn't care. Do you think... And Megan... She doesn't care. She do not don't care. Mm. I know as a black woman, 
And for me, as someone that only dates black men, like even if I was going to date a white man, if I saw a picture of you in a Nazi uniform, <laughs> like what what strength of a melanin-free life are you looking? You can't seek that. She saw the elephants. He took pictures of elephants as I'm well. Just, it's just the wildest thing to me. Like to me, she's one. And yeah. I, I would never watch the documentary or rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But <laughs> she's won what she wanted and she's achieved more than she could have ever anticipated. Yeah. Because she, is she not leveraging it now? Mm. Is she not in a position she could never have imagined in her life? Mm. So she's still winning. That's all I want to say. Thank you. Thank you. But in, um, yeah, and then in the middle there. I just wanted to say that someone mentioned earlier about um, the strategy behind this documentary and I think it's made me reflect on maybe Megan's life and what her mum had planned for her as a child mm. and it does feel all very strategic in that she's in a mainly white school her daughter transitions from curly hair to straight hair she's very white passing as we've already acknowledged and she gets a role and the blackness only comes in if it helps her career mm. and I feel like the interest from Harry was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I could have ever imagined. I can be proper white now. Mm. And I feel like, and I feel like the whole strategy behind this Netflix documentary, you know, it's made by their production company, Archwell. And I feel this whole documentary is they know people are interested. They're marketing themselves. That's clearly what it's, it's a PR exercise for their production company and how they're going to make money from their position moving forward. And I think it's been incredibly strategic from her mother at the start. I don't think it's a coincidence that her father, well, I don't know, I can't speak from her, but what, what I will say is once she had Megan, I think it's very clear there was an intent to go down that route of, yes, she's very light. We can give her that white light because white better kind of thing, light is better and all this kind of stuff. So. I do feel, yeah, there's a strategy and I think that might actually be part of why Megan is the way she is because of what she's seen her mother do as well. Mm. Um, because we all know her mother obviously knows what's going on. If her mum's never spoken to her about race, which I find very hard to believe, mm -hmm. I think the, discussion, the actual agreement probably was, you know what, life will be easier if people assume you're white mm. and you're a pretty girl and you're racially ambiguous. So let's move that forward because you want to get into the movie industry it's going to be very um, difficult it's very competitive if you're white it's easy so let's go down that route now you're with harry it all went to shit so let's bring ourselves back in and get ourselves <laughs> some make some money out of this production company um so we'll give them a bit of insight into our life and say how fantastic we are and how everybody else is awful um and this is the next page so i don't even think they're going to be on screen i think next year they're going to produce their own their own um, programs and series and films, and it'll have some sort of racial influence. So it'll be about people being in difficult situations and lack of support, and and that's what their plan is. That's their income stream. Definitely, I see Tyler Perry probably working on it now because <laughs> they're friends with him, and I just know one terribly made something is coming. It's coming. Oh, I'm already cringing. Yes, um, over here. Right in the middle. Thank you. 
Hi, uh, um, I just want to echo the points you've, you've made about it being a PR stunt because Harry's in the position, he could burn this to the ground. Mm. He could burn it to the ground, but he doesn't want to. It's about safety, isn't it? Safety and perpetuating what he's already got. Um, and he's saying, oh, I've got, you know, I'm perked my unconscious bias. But he hasn't, has he? Because um, if he really truly believed in being anti-racist or, or um, doing better for the world, he would say, this is a load of shit and mm. we need to... Uh, yeah, and burn it to the ground. And he would be unpopular. He would lose his status. The British press, we know, would rip him to shreds, probably the mm -hmm. worldwide press. Um, but if he really believed that he was doing good for his family, why would he take his wife into that pit of vipers? Like, mm. why would you do... If I, if I had... An, you know, my, my dad has... Ra you know, I don't see my dad. He's racist. I don't go near him. You know, I, I take my kids out of the house if he starts on his rants. And if I had someone who was non-white, who was close to me, I would not take them into that situation to start mm -hmm. with. Why would I expose them to that? Mm. Why? True. True. Thank you. Over here at the back. Um, just over there. Yeah. Thank you. Just two points, which I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point? Oh, yeah. First point, I was a bit confused with the whole, oh, Harry's with a black woman, because until he's with Michaela Cohen, Cohen, Jodie Turner-Smith, or someone who looks like them, mm. then we can talk. Mm. And second of all, I remember a while ago when the whole Megan thing started, there was a film on TV with her. I think it was on the day of the wedding. And it's called, I think it's called The Matchmaker. And I was very shocked watching this film because she plays a woman who matchmakes. And her character had a white mom, a white sister, and a white dad. Oh. And you can all check it out. I think it's called The Matchmaker. Just check her bio. But I watched the whole thing. It's really bad. It's like less than Z-list Z film. But she was basically playing a white character. And I found that very strange. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And I think that that's important because there was a lot of internet conversation, social media conversation about you guys are just saying things about her. She's, you know, it's clear to me that she's black. Well, I'm glad that it's clear to you, Poirot. It clearly wasn't clear to everybody else, you know? Like, like... Duh. Um, final two. Final two over here. Oh, three. Is that three? Hiya. I'm not going to speak to things that I have no lived experience of. And I thank everyone very much for sharing everything. It's learning for me. One thing I will speak to because I have watched all three episodes is um, to address something you mentioned before about, you know, will the themes of anti-racism be developed I have a horrible feeling because this is going chronologically, something will be mentioned around June 2020 around George Floyd's murder. Other than that, that my hunch, and I'm happy to be wrong, I don't think it's going to go much further into that. As somebody who's lived with depression and who is a suicide survivor, I'm interested in hearing about what happened with Megan when she was pregnant with Archie. Um, that's all I have to add to this conversation. Hi. Hi. So um, one of the roles I have is anti-racist educator. And one mm. of the things that we do when we um, deliver these sessions is we talk about definitions as a starting point. Um, because what I find with discussions around racism in you know, popular discourse in, in Britain and beyond is that people are not talking about the same thing. Mm. They might talk about racism on the really like, base level of the individual racism, but they have no understanding of what institutional racism actually means mm. and what systemic racism actually means as mm. well. And until we get on that footing, these conversations about racism are going to miss each other completely because we're not talking about the same thing. Yeah. And I think through what everyone's saying in terms of 
you know, Harry's, you know, anti-racist activism and Megan. It's very clear that they don't know what they're talking about either. Um, it, it, it's very clear that they are talking about sort of the racism of the everyday or the stuff that they might, that might make them feel a bit uncomfortable, but doesn't kill us, you know, doesn't have boots on our shoulder, that doesn't, you know, take away our children, that doesn't sort of decimate families and communities. Mm. Um, so for me, that's one of the major things that comes out of here is that no one's done the work, no you know, one. none of them have done the work, none of them understand what we're talking about when yeah. we're talking about racism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to keep away from it because... I just think bun them, <laughs> all of yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. It, thank you. Definitely something to work. It's, it's worth keeping away from in that regard. I think that with my positioning and like the nature of the podcast and things like that, I felt like it was important to address it because I could see how the conversation was about to go left. Like, and we, in our care for Megan, because there is care there because we understand what can happen. People online aren't trying to say too much because we're not trying to make things worse for her. At the same time, like I said, multiple things can be true. That was some bullshit. And I even tweeted, like, until people have done the learning, stay away. I don't want to see you anywhere near a camcorder. If I hear cat, stay away from any cameras. Like, go and do the fucking work. Because as you say, people are just talking for the sake of talking. And I have a big issue with talking heads who swear that they're about like anti-racism, whatever, whatever, but they stay quiet on certain subjects only when maybe a major platform uh, comes calling or there's a check involved. That's when suddenly it's like, oh, now I have the... But when people like myself were shouting up and down, you were happy to stay silent until someone offered you a check to then come and say something. And I feel like that's pretty disgusting. And even in terms of the documentary colorism is very prevalent to me there in and of itself and and that's something that they fail to see i hear that what episode three serena's there like woo you know like it just it just shows me like how they, they've everything's been carefully manufactured to give a particular idea and it's just like none of you are actually willing to divest from this system none of you you're all just here to sort some bullshit and then keep it moving um and that worries me because anytime they let me come on them news channels. I make a point of saying something about white supremacy, right? Because everybody else, yeah, they might give you sound bites. They might say these cute things. They're like, ha, 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 I'm going to share it. But ask yourself, are they saying the things that need to be said? Or are they just enjoying that every platform is having them on there? And you need to ask yourself, if the platforms are so happy to have you on there, that means that you're not a threat. You know? Like, say what needs to be said. Like, when I went on um, Common Ground and uh, what's his face? Trevor Phillips was like, so if the king asked you to come in and, and, you know, he said, we're having this problem month after month of being accused of racism, what would you advise him to do? Abolish the mother, like, abolish the motherfucker, like, abolish it. Oh, heavens, no, that's a ridiculous suggestion. All right, cool. So if you don't want to abolish it, redistribute the wealth. <laughs> and everyone's laughing like fucking hyenas. I didn't say anything funny. I said the most obvious thing in the situation. If you want this problem to stop, give people back their things. And I mean, like, really give people back their things. Think about inflation, all of the things that have happened throughout these centuries since you've had hold of people's things and give them the equivalent back. And then stop that fuckery with the World Bank. 
all of that, like you're going to have to destabilize so much the way that you love off destabilizing, like destabilizing other people's countries, give people back their things. And then let's see what we do. Because of course, nothing, you know, we still have a long way to go. There's corrupt governments, this, that, but at this point, which government isn't, but at least give people a, a chance to start and then take your things down. But you don't want to do that. So then essentially you've invited me on this show. You've asked me for a solution. I gave you the solution. You've laughed at the solution. So nobody wants a solution. Nobody. We're just pretending at this point. And I think that in that, we talked about the tarot earlier about thinking about leaders and thinking about people who are talking and, and what's being done and ask yourself, how is this serving me? Because it's all well and good. Okay, you've got a black face on TV, allegedly, apparently on the surface talking about racism, but listen to what they are saying. Are they saying anything to challenge the system or are they happy to come on, appear radical and then really they don't want that system to change either? Because if you wanted the, the system to change, you know that you have to just like big up your chest and say what you need to say. Like it is what it is at the end of the day. Like I'm not stupid. I've got a fucking child. I realize I've got a son, a three-year-old. So when I'm going on saying certain things, I'm aware of the implications of that. But then what was the point of me ever being on the show in the first place? Like why, why, why did I accept then? If not, then otherwise it's a vanity project. And I think that even as black people, some of us aren't being honest enough about why we do certain things. Because if you really want the change, if you're really about the change and not just change for yourself and so you're good, if you want the change for everybody, sometimes you're going to have to say the thing that everybody else doesn't want to say. But yeah. Absolutely. And I just wanted to add that I find it um, disgusting um, the black people that were also complicit in that documentary, the Davids and the Afuas, fuck you. Um, I, I'm going to say it, I don't care. It, because, because it, Meghan and Harry, well, Meghan becomes the poster person of what racism looks like in the UK, which is not what racism looks like in the UK. Because racism is Chris Caber being slaughtered by the police. Racism is child Q. When Harry is talking, when he gets around to talk about those things, before you tell us about the rhinos, save the rhinos, where you should not be poking your nose, talk about the things that are happening in the country that you live in. Talk about those things. That's how, that's how he um, can perhaps, I don't know whether he'll ever be anti-racist, but at least it will be a little bit less performative um, and it, it will actually be relevant to the UK. Of course. And, yeah. using then it's not, it's going to take a long time for him to get there isn't it and then he spoke about sorry then he did speak about his son and now he wants his son to know all of the things but I guess that in itself will also be difficult because he's he's only got so much to give I think someone with someone referred to it over, um, earlier in, earlier in, yeah. in the audience but basically he was winning with Meghan Markle because she's black but she's just not too black so yeah. you just get the best you get to look like you're doing something, but you're not doing too much. Not with us. Not with us. Go on. Um, Victor, it's fine. But like, I'm also a bit of a master. Thank you. Thank you. But like, I certainly have to like, give you some hints when I'm talking. Yes. Yes
I'd never thought about that. Things were said, and, and it's good that we're, we're acknowledging these things because this is something, if they want to come and trawl through the podcast, these are the things that they need to take away and go and redo whatever the hell that they did. Exactly. Because I, I'm not coming at you on any, none of us in the room, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think we are being judgmental, really. I think that we are observing something. You gave us something, and we decoded what you gave us, and we were like, you can have it back. Don't need this at all. You can keep it. right and i think that that's fair because we can't keep um, like imbibing crap like taking in and going oh yeah you know that's good enough for me it's not good enough it's really not good enough do better just push it back a little bit i feel like do you think that was another dig just to piss them off even more why would you name your daughter as a dig well no to piss the royal family off do you know what i mean why would you name your child after the chief racist (laughs) why an olive branch that was an olive branch to the royal family so that they keep they keep they keep the money coming they keep the inheritance harry just tell us what is in philip's will that's that will be helpful and skip skip all of this is boring and performative thank you both thank you all so much thank you thank Thank you for joining me thank you thank you well Wow, we're really going to wrap it up because I think we, that would leave us about an hour to chew and it's very hot in here. I go, it's getting hot in here. Elizabeth, really, is it? Um, anyway, um, so we can wrap it up um, and then I get time to like mingle with you all and we can um, chat. I think we might move the benches away. You've still got merch. The people that didn't get the croc charm. Um, okay, <laughs> good. Um, yeah, so we're going to, I mean, I had other things. I said I wanted to discuss Derek Jackson, right? And so I'll keep that very, very brief for So You Mad. So Derek Jackson, for those who don't know, he's um, a sort of like, yeah, a relationship expert, a black guy who's a relationship expert, but he's not studied anyway, hasn't done anything of no. He just would sit in his car. Always be careful of the people who give you advice for sitting in their car. I don't know. There's just something about it. Why is it always the car that you want to give? It's... Anyway, he would give this relationship advice and people were like, wow, he's such a great guy. Look at him advising things. This is so wonderful. Um, he really knows women, only for it to come out that he was cheating on his wife, Danae Jackson, with numerous women. Numerous. And that happened in 2021 where this, I think somebody was about to blow his cover and so he tried to get ahead of it. Um, and talk about it. And um, I'm just going through, I want to read you what he said. Can it play? Is that Derek Jackson was involved with other women outside the marriage. And by involved, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about just casually kicking it, maybe a lunch or something like that. I'm talking about as serious as sex um, to sexual flirtation and, and meeting up and that kind of thing. And some things that otherwise may be considered okay by some in terms of like just chatting or or checking on people or being checked on by people that I've had a previous encounter with. Um, But without my wife's knowledge of it and with us having a sexual history, all of it falls under the umbrella of inappropriate, cheating, affair, stepping out, 
um, def- definitely not in alignment with the vows that I took um, and definitely not in, in alignment with the biblical standard of what it means to be faithful, which is the standard that I'm going by now. Now, I'm saying this publicly, not because I'm you know married to you guys. First and foremost, I'm accountable to God. Then I have to be accountable to my wife, in which we've already had this conversation. I've already told her literally everything. I've given her basically a, a roll call list. If I've said hello to a woman in the last 12 years of me knowing her, she knows about it. Um, but now that it's been made so public, um, it's important that I first off let you guys know I do not stand by those actions. I don't want to encourage anybody to do that. And then secondly, I know that I cannot build a platform preaching certain things, preaching against certain things, and then in my real life live contrary to that for any amount of time or, or any length of time to any extent and think that I can't be held accountable. You know, the same way that I preach, you know, men and women in this situation need to face consequences of their actions, um, deserve to be held accountable. Guess what? Derrick Jackson's no exemption. He, he's not exempt from that. I'm not. Why are you talking about yourself in the third person? As if he was just merely, as if Derek Jackson was doing the cheating and he was just there. Like he, he, he didn't know what was going on. And that was 2021. And so because we don't um, have the visuals for that, decided not to have the visuals for that. His wife has actually sat by him and he's holding, the way, the, way the way he's holding her hand the entire time that he's talking and she's just sat there with, and she's got a bonnet of salvation on like, and I don't even want to come at her too hard because you could tell that she changed her manner of dressing in order to fit in with his idea of this is what a godly woman should look like. Uh, they were high school sweethearts. Um, and, you know, he started banging Jim, got, you know, hench, and then suddenly, I don't know what um, protein shake he took, but he suddenly felt like, you know what I want to do today? Chin-ups and I want to give relationship advice. And so he started advising people from his car. And then obviously the women are thirsty. They were like, oh my God, he's up. And that's what I find really interesting. He's giving you relationship advice. He's in a relationship. You don't think, oh, let me leave him alone. You go, that's the one I want. So for you to have him, what do you think is going to happen to the person he's in a relationship with? But again, that's not their business. It was his business, Derek Jackson's business to deal with. And he clearly dealt with many, many business. Um, And... um. Yeah, it just really aggravated me because she sat there. He's gripping her like he's got this vice-like grip on her hand while he's talking. She looks broken, you know, like just broken. Man said he gave her a roll call. He gave her a roll call of the people that he has slept. He w- and it, and it was just and it was just going. And he said, "Oh, the reason that we have to talk about it now, you can hear it in his voice. He talks about it like with resentment because it's been made public." Bitch, what? Well. That was on you, not the people who made it public. It was on you. Anyway, she, um, you know, people were like, girl, get out. Save yourself. Like, get out. She decided that she wanted to jump on Instagram Live, tell the girlies that they are unmarried and should mind their fucking business because she is praying against the spirit of infidelity in her marriage. (laughs) <laughs> he's literally the spirit of infidelity <laughs> like, he is actually the spirit he is the demon the call is coming from inside the house he is the demon but you know she said I, I wear my helmet of salvation and I bind all of you the people, the demons that want to come and ruin my marriage the demon is there <laughs> like, 
He is the demon. She's praying, you know, vigorously against all of this stuff. And, and I remember talking about it on a podcast when it happened because I was so sad for her because so many black women in the church are like that. And actually, when I think about um, the people who push against, uh, the people who push against what I do the most are usually women, black women who go to the church because they know that by accepting what I'm saying about white supremacy and all of this stuff and patriarchy, they would see that that same model is what is in their church. Why do you care if I'm wearing trousers? There are some churches as a woman, you can't wear trousers or, you know, you can't wear this skirt, you can't wear that. Why are you watching me? We're all here to pray to the most high, face your front. You know, like, sign of the cross, don't cross me. Like, face your front, like, do what you're doing. But that same model is there. You don't leave your marriage. There are worse things that a man, than, that a man can do to you other than cheating. Okay, where are we moving this bar to exactly? Because the bar keeps getting lower and lower and lower. But a good woman, the sign of a good woman is a woman who endures all the fuckery that's brought her way. You know, when they, and, and I honestly, I do not believe in your pastors being your counselors. I'm so sorry. I don't care who that offends. Stop going to your, counsel, your pastor for counseling. Because... A lot of them that I've seen, they're not helpful. They're just telling you to stay where you are. They're, they're asking you to heal and pray for healing in the sight that you're getting sick. You can't get better where you got worse. Like, you just can't. And this is proof of that because, anyway, he came online and he had an announcement to make. So that was 2021, that um, clip that we played you. He came online recently and he said the following, if I can just make sure that I've got the, the statement here. Where is it? Um, people said stop victim blaming, which I agree with. Anyway, he says, this is from his Instagram. Over the past several months, my family and I have gone through many changes. Some of you have speculated why others of you have reached out to offer support. As we privately establish this new normal for ourselves and our beautiful children, Earlier this year, after much prayer, counseling, and deep consideration, we decided to go our separate ways and filed for divorce. Making the decision to file was one of the hardest decisions of my life. But I found peace knowing that our mission of raising healthy children, starting with healthy and whole parents, is still being accomplished. From falling in love as just teenagers to becoming spouses and now co-parents, I'm grateful for the years we spent together and wouldn't trade them for anything. I was blessed to have such an amazing person in my life, doesn't refer to her by name, um, and will forever be thankful for all she's meant to our family. Meant, because clearly she's retiring. <laughs> we ask that if you pray, to please pray for us as we navigate this grieving process. If not, please respect our privacy. He's horrendous because he made a point to let the bitches know that I filed for divorce. That was the main thing. I feel like the whole point of that was to let everyone know I'm single and I filed. So let's start flinging this peen around. Okay, who, who's got first dibs? And somebody, obviously, you know what the internet's like. They found a picture of a person he's currently seeing. And I knew she was going to be some kind of Instagram baddie. I knew that she was going to be. But the issue is that people are putting her picture next to a picture of Danaea, who is in the swimming pool. And she's wearing a big sun hat in the swimming pool and wearing a, like, a long sleeve situation in the swimming pool. And of course, I understand modest wear and all of them things there. But 
it's the fact that they're trying to compare that. Well, if you weren't dressing, then, you know, this is who he was going to be with. And it's like, no, no, because she, even if you, let's say that she's always dressed that way. You were happy to marry her dressed that way. So don't now turn around and be like, oh, now, no, fuck that. You know, like, it's nothing about what's happening. It's her fault. I mean, we all have choices to make. I know she's an autonomous being and all of that stuff. But I don't believe that anything that's happening is necessarily her fault in terms of how he's behaving. Um, I just feel sad that she dedicated her life. Like, she literally came online last week to cast and bind all the people that were speaking on her marriage or a couple of weeks ago. So you're still out here embarrassing yourself for this person who would just come online and be like, okay, I'm done with you now. We're gone. So I say all of that to say, don't trust people who make relationship videos in their cars. Um, yeah, I, I, I have an issue with the fact that he'll go on to make lots of money. He'll can people and women, especially I'm begging you stop going to relationship advice from men. Like, I'm not even saying that some of these women are better because some of these femininity coaches need to get to hell. Like, everybody fuck off. But let me, it's really simple. And I hope that, I mean, we're coming up to the final episodes of the year. There is nothing that any man is going to be able to tell you that's the secret, that's the trick to making another man be faithful or be kind to you. Because ultimately, when I look at what women are asking for, you're asking for kindness. You're asking for respect. There's no trick. It's either they've got it or they haven't. And so or, um, when a man talks, if you want to show that you're a good woman, give it five seconds before you respond. That is the trick. If you want to hold on to your man, he talks and you go, one, two, three. Four, five. That shows him that you care about what he has to say. And then you're taking it in and you want to make it work. Bitch, if what you said was fucked up, it's going to be fucked up in five seconds from now as well. Like, I'm not waiting five seconds to tell you to shut up. It doesn't make sense. You know, and I, I just feel for her. I just feel for her and I feel frustrated at the nature of patriarchy that you can destroy a woman in that way you can come you can come online and make all of this content endless content he's even sold books he was even trying to sell books when this was happening you make endless content saying that this is what a good woman deserves this is what a good man does yet you are not that and you know what a good woman deserves and you still didn't give it to her so at this point you're a terrorist like, that is, that is horrendous behavior. And I just w really wanted to have it there. He really should have been in straw of the week, but whatever. Anyway, to wrap it up, because we've really got to get to our shindig. Um, I wanted to say um, for straw of the week, straw of the year, um, a special suck your mum. I, I know that they were mentioned earlier, but people like Nana and Esther, the black women, I, you know, there are other people, of course, I cast the police. So imagine the, the police has done something fucked up. Yeah, so straw goes out to the police. We already know that they've done something. And I know that there were two boys who were trying to get the train recently. That there, there was, <sighs> there's a lot. We just know that the police stay moving mad. But I have to use this time to say like, black women who do the bidding of white supremacy, I hate you so much. And I don't even use the word hatred lightly. I hate you so much. Because forget what, 
other people are doing. Forget what the men are doing. Black women, I really feel like we should have enough solidarity, enough sisterhood in this country that if something is happening to one of us and we know what time it is and we know exactly what is happening, that what we don't do is decide to jump on board and help with that. Okay, no other news channels wanted you and you ended up on GB News. How's that my fucking problem? You know, like, you, you're there now. But you've decided, because you're so angry with how the cards that you've been dealt, that you want to always be employed by hateful, hateful, right-wing white people. And so you can see what the media is doing to Ngozi Fulani. You can see what's happening. Ngozi spoke up about what happened at Buckingham Palace with Lady Hussey. It lasted all of four days where people were like, oh my God, is, was that racist to ask where you're from, 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 from? And it suddenly turned to Marlene Headsley changed her name. She cha- Why did she change her name if she wasn't doing anything dodgy? Oh, so, okay, because you haven't read the book, so you don't understand that maybe she doesn't want her, the person who enslaved her family. Maybe she doesn't want to keep the surname. And everyone seems to understand when a woman gets married and changes her surname, but somehow you can't understand outside of a man giving you his name. So you can't understand somebody just going, actually, I just want to change my name. You, it doesn't make sense. Outside of men, women's lives don't make sense. But anyway, so she's changed her name and she's um, running Sister Space, an organization that helps black women who are experiencing domestic violence or any form of um, sexual abuse or anything like that, helping them, supporting them. You know that this is what this organization does. You know that within this system that we have in this country, when we're talking about systemic and institutionalized racism, you understand that oftentimes we get overlooked when when we're seeking help in these systems. So this is why Sister Space needs to exist. But you took it on yourself, you ashy piece of shit. With your stiff wig and your scaly scalp, you bitches. You now decided that you were going to write, well, in terms of Esther, well, if I went dressed as uh, one of the cast members from Wakanda Forever, I will, of course, somebody would ask me where I'm from. (laughs) Meanwhile, when you were doing Halloween with your white friends, you dressed as Scooby-Doo. You, the black girl in your group of white friends, you were screaming, that's what you did. And I know that they didn't ask you to do that. I know that the girlies were like, so what do you think you're going to go as? Oh, I don't know. What are you, what are you, what are you going to wear? Oh, I don't know. I haven't decided. I'll go with Scooby. And so you chose to be the literal dog in that situation. But you feel like you have the vim, you have the effort, you have the goal. So now be speaking about Ngozi and, oh, she dressed as an extra from um, Wakanda Forever. So why, why wouldn't she expect? So you're talking about somebody's chosen way of presenting themselves in traditional garb, whatever it might be. You're disrespecting that. You as a Ghanaian, Ghanaian women, you need to come and get your girls because two of these... I'm not even trying to move the blame away from everybody, but... Two of them, both of them are gone in. So I'm just letting you know. Don't let them have any more boiled eggs. They don't deserve it. They're bitches. Anyway, um, no, I can't believe that that is what you're choosing to do with the platform that you have. And then Nana, you're now doing a six minute rant on GB News talking about, well, you know, she is suspicious. And isn't it racist to have some an organization that only helps black women? And this is why the wig does not want to sit flat on your head, you prick. This is why it's always higher, higher, higher. Your wig is always high because your soul is so low. Lower, 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 Satan, lower. That's what. 
I say all of that. And the reason I'm so vexed about it is because now Sister Space has had to stop operations because they've received so much abuse, so much racist abuse. They've said, well, it's temp hopefully it's temporary. But they've had to stop operations because of the amount, the sheer volume of racist abuse that they've received. They can't do their work. During the World Cup, where we know that statistically, the, especially when a team loses, that's when the women start getting broke up. We know that. And so this is why it's not, you know, earlier I spoke about how you need to follow your calling because somebody else that you don't know exists, they rely on you. When you are being a contrarian for coins, when you're being a coon for coins, when you're doing the bidding of white supremacy as a black person, you, whatever calling you think that you're following, you've also put somebody that you might never meet, you've put them in harm's way and you've possibly gotten them killed because of what you've decided to do. And we saw um, Fatimata and her lovely daughters got burnt in, well, you know, they, um, they uh, what's it, Jamie, whatever the fuck his name was, Jamie Barrow set fire to their home in Nottingham. Um, set fire to their home and they died from smoke inhalation. But the fact of the matter is they're dead, right? Um, and the police were saying that they don't want to call that racially motivated. That you saw the Facebook post that he had, you saw all of that and you still say that you don't think it was racially motivated. All right, whatever. But my whole thing is, the reason that they can do that is because black women's lives don't really matter to them. Um, Bibba Henry, Nicole Smallman, black women's lives don't really matter to you. That's why you can see them murdered and you can take selfies and then you can send it into a WhatsApp group. Like, our lives don't matter. So when you as a black woman, you're aware of all this information because you're the fucking journalist. I am not, right? You are privy to the same information that I'm privy to. And yet, you don't understand why organizations need to exist specifically for black women because of the way that the system sees them. And then you decide to use the platform that you have, the leverage that you have, and the fact that hateful white people listen to you, and then you decide that you're going to target this woman, you're going to add to the vitriol that she's already receiving, and thus you're going to stop the work that they're doing. And now that means that black women who need them actually now don't have access to anything. So those white organizations that you were telling us, or the other organizations that you were telling us that they're so free and they accept everybody, go and get them to accept them then, like, and help them. But you're not going to do that because you're not actually trying to be part of the solution. You just want to cause more problems. So. To Nana and Esther, suck your mum. I, I hope Sister Space return um, and continue doing the amazing work that they're doing. I don't know what Marlene or Ngozi was doing before. I don't care. I just care that the work gets done. And if the establishment isn't going to do the work, then I, even Camilla that invited her to the event, has Camilla come forward to say, everyone, stop this? No, interesting that. But you'll be doing um, violence against women events, this, that, this, that. You don't care about violence against women because the monarchy was built on violence against women if we're being bucked. So, no. Um, but that's really it. From the bottom of my heart, suck your mum, Nana and um, um, Esther and any other black woman or any other black person that thinks it's perfectly okay where you see people piling on a black person in public, usually a black woman, and you are happy to just watch it happen and in fact add to it to make sure that you keep the attention away from you. I hope that that attention stays away from you when you get to heaven's gate. I hope that your name is eradicated from the book of life. I hope that your wig remains forever stiff, right? I hope that it never settles on your head. I hope that your skin remains looking unmoisturized like the way that it does and that your pom-pom remains sour for an eternity. That's it. That's that. Well, woo, okay. That gives us enough time to at least like 
chat for a little bit and um, get some vibes with music. But thank you so much for joining me this evening. Thank you. It has. <laughs> thank you. It has really, 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 really been a mood. Um, remember to follow all the wonderful people that were mentioned. Um, I've truly enjoyed this. Um, and well, yeah, I guess for the last time today, I have been Kelechi Okafo. And this has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind. Unofficially known as what, what? It's the fence from the honey woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. So sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are gonna sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something, you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind, don't say you mind.